welcome to the 224th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are awesomely huge supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently talked about the first uh, five issues of Ultimate Spider-Man from 2000. And uh, this week, spoiler, um, it's not really spoiler, but this week... Gonna start looking at the one and only Hawkeye series, not the one and only, but we're gonna talk about the Hawkeye series based, you know, Matt's Matt Fraction, David Aha, uh-huh, that that one. So you can hear about that this week, first issues this week. Um, but if you can't commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G Man from Heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or seven. Who's going to buy me seven? No one. Uh, that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right. So what is going to happen this week? Uh, this was kind of like the weird week where I didn't go to the movie theater because uh, there's nothing that opened. Uh, I was hoping to see that. Um, what, what's it called? Uh, the It's up there. Don't look up. <laughs> it's up there. Don't look up because that, that opens up on Netflix on the 24th and it's in theaters. My theater's not showing it. Because uh, you know they they Chad had a they had they Chad they had red notice but they d- didn't have this one so um, I did end up seeing kind of last minute Silent Night um, what I didn't realize that I've been paying for AMC Plus through my my Amazon account my Amazon Prime account I don't know who signed up my wife's like I didn't sign up no one who I had it so I'm like hey I wanted to watch this movie Silent Night it's a holiday movie but it is very very dark. Uh, so we'll talk about that, but I don't think that's going to be, it's not quite feature worthy. Cause if, if I say silent and people are like, what's silent night. So I think the feature is going to be lost in space. Um, season three, I'm only going to do the half of the first or half of the third season because of time and just craziness and, and just because it'll make things too long. And, um, I'm actually recording this kind of like almost last minute, uh, and I need to, I want, I want to get it out on time. So we have that. Um, I'm also going to talk very, 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 very briefly about the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie that came out on Disney+. Plus. So we'll hear about that. Hear about uh, the latest Hawkeye, latest Flash, latest Dexter comics and news. So I'm hoping this is going to be a little shorter just because of of time so I can get this out. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Starting out with the news so what happened last weekend and so i didn't get a chance to talk about it but i'm sure you've seen about it maybe you forgot about it you're like really that was so long ago there was a trailer that dropped it was last saturday uh for spider-man across the spider-verse part one so we got this little clip and uh it's so exciting and plus the fact that it's part one so that means we're getting two more I'm I'm down with that. I I'm always like, yeah, let let's do them, let's split it. Uh, I mean, hopefully it's not gonna be like an hour long, and then they'll do that. I'm sure it'll be like cl- at close to an hour and a half, uh, hopefully longer. But I I think that's really cool. So we we see Miles, and you can see some time has changed. Miles looks a little older, maybe a little bit, and then Gwen pops up, and it's it's just a, just great interaction. And then when he ends up going, it almost looks like the animation changes a little bit. At first, I was like, oh, maybe it's just kind of like rough cut because 
you know, the, the movie's still like a, a year away and everything like that. But then it's like, well, maybe it's a d- different dimension. So maybe it's going to look a little, you know, which is totally fine because it does look cool with its, its stylized approach. And, and that's part of the thing. I mean, just, oh, I'm so excited. So like after that trailer came out, I, I watched the movie again. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, I was like, uh, where, so I, had, I, I watched a digital copy on Voodoo. And then, because I was like, where's my physical copy? And But luckily, the, the digital was uploaded. And then I'm looking, I was like, okay, I don't know. Because I, I used, I occasionally would show the movie at the end of the school year. You know, like on the last day of school when, you know, kids are signing yearbooks or whatever. And and so I would have the movie run. But I'm pretty sure the movie's not in my classroom desk drawer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the one drawer where it would be, it's, it's not in there. And so I'm like, where's my movie? And I looked at my, my, where my blue, because I don't have like a huge, like library shelves. Like some people do have like, you know, room dedicated to their, their babies or pride and joy movies. Uh, so I have kind of like different stacks here and there. And, you know, I have like a entertainment system where, you know, they're just basically shoved in drawers, no rhyme or reason. I kind of know where certain things are. Like if you're like, okay, where's a 2000 X-Men I don't know, is that DVD? <laughs> it might be DVD. I was like, okay, I know it's in this drawer, like in this stack. Like, you know, I, I pretty have a good idea, like what's where, but I don't know where this movie. So I end up getting it on 4K as well. And so, yeah, we have that movie. I'm, I'm super excited. So I, I cannot wait for that. Um, I spend way too much time talking about that. Uh, there was also a clip that came out for uh, Morbius. I'm not super excited about this. The clip looks okay, but we see Jared Leto's Morbius transformation. Okay. I just, it just seems like such a weird thing. I get that they're trying to flesh out the Spider-Man movie universe and all that by, you know, using these villains. And, you know, I'm sure part of it is like using the characters. So then you like secure the, the rights to use them and all that. I don't know, Morbius, I mean, of all the people, Morbius, I can kind of see Craven. Craven the Hunter, Craven the Hunter is an awesome character. On paper, though, if you just, he's kind of a lame character, if you think about it. He's just this big game hunter, okay? But he's just, he's a, a badass character. I mean, there, there's absolutely no denying that. But I could see, I could see like a Craven the Hunter movie because he, the Craven's Last Hunt, just amazing movie, you know, so that really like leveled him up. Uh, and and you know even like just some I'm thankfully we don't have Green Goblin but I, I I'm surprised that we don't see some of the other you know big characters Morbius maybe there's Morbius fans out there but I am not one of them so we we have that to look forward to uh, there's going to be a Wonder Woman video game that's that's coming out I forgot the the publisher and I forget what they did. I think they did a, a Lord of the Rings game so it's going to be an open world game. Because uh, they, they had the, the game awards this past week, I didn't watch them because um, I'm just one time and I'm just not not immersed in that that world because I I don't have time. They didn't show any footage or anything, or any details, but it's supposed to be open world, so hopefully it's it's cool. And um, I I would love to start playing video games again, but I just I need more time. Maybe I just stop doing the podcast and play video games. Maybe no. Um, some bummer news. Not super. I guess not really surprising netflix canceled cowboy bebop and this was i think it was like three weeks after it, it aired so it's like it seems kind of seems kind of kind of crazy uh i i can see you know we don't know what measuring analytics they use you know what makes it a success or, or anything like that 
But you would think it's like give it some time. You know, are people actually going to watch it? And you shouldn't go by critic reviews because critics, you know, they whatever. You know, they don't always know what's what. So, you know, you got to look at, like, how many people are watching it. And also, it's like, this is kind of a busy time. It was so hard for me to watch it. And if I didn't, like, have to watch it, I, I probably wouldn't have, like, binged it all right away. You know, I it's something I would be curious about. Like, you know, there's a couple other shows that I've been watching. Like, um, was that Brand New Cherry Flavor? I started watching that. I really want to finish that. I think I only watched two episodes. And it's no longer in my, like, continue watching thing. Like that, that, it disappeared out there because I guess it's been so long since I watched it. Netflix is like, oh, I guess you're not going to watch this. No, I do want to watch it. I'm just watching so much other stuff, reading so many comics. I don't have time to to just randomly watch things for fun. Um, not to, the other stuff I watch isn't fun. You know what I'm saying? So it just seems crazy to three weeks. You know, the holidays. It's just like give people a chance to catch. Maybe people are going to wait. It's like I'm going to wait till you know day after Christmas or whatever, and when everyone's busy and I'm going to watch. So it's gone. Which, <laughs> based off that last uh, like minute and a half or whatever. <laughs> I'm fine with it. It's 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 that's why it's got canceled, right? Oh, I just realized there's some trailers I was gonna watch before as I'm getting ready for this. There was a I guess there was a Sonic the Hedgehog two trailer. I could pause this and watch it. I'm not going to. There's a Sonic the Hedgehog two trailer. Hopefully that was cool. I'm I'll watch it. I mean the first movie was 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 better than I thought. It was fun. I, I'm I'm not like on the edge of my seat waiting. It's this is no across the Spider Verse. Um, when it comes, it comes. I mean, if if there's no other movie opening that weekend, it'll be the movie feature. If there's something else, maybe it'll get bumped a week unless there's something else that week too, and then maybe it just won't happen. Maybe it would eventually end up on the secret podcast. But uh, yeah, so it's not like my top priority. But I'll I'll watch it if there's nothing else for sure. Um, there is also apparently a Snowpiercer season three trailer. I didn't watch that. Um, the trailer. I'm just I'm kind of concerned with what they heavily implied in the last episode of season two about a character, and I haven't read any interviews or anything like that. So I don't know if the actor in question is not coming back for a third season. But I'm going to be really bummed if that's the case. I'm going to be really bummed. So we'll have to have to see. Because, I mean, I feel like there's so much more to be said. And it was just such a... Uh, yeah, I wasn't a, a good, like, outro. So we'll see. There was... um, I think there was another trailer as well. I know there was... Oh, there was a, a trailer for Halo series. So Paramount Plus Halo series. So um, I did not watch that. And so here's my confession. You know, it's it's not like a huge secret or anything like that. But I'm not necessarily like the biggest uh, Halo fan. And that's only because it's, it's an Xbox thing. And I'm not an Xbox person. I'm trying to think if I ever actually played it. My, my, my brother-in-law was playing it like for the first Xbox. But... And that, that's, you know, that, that's a weird thing. Even though I had, I eventually got an Xbox 360, I never got um, any of, of the, the Halo games. It's like, you would think, it's like, oh, I finally have an Xbox, so why not 
why not try it? But I just, I didn't. So, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I really don't know anything about the series. I haven't heard anything before. Maybe some rumblings. I don't think I've reported on it. So I don't know. I can't even tell you. This is how lame I am right now. I can't even tell you if it's like it's a CG series or if it's live action or if it's animated. But uh, I'm I'm happy for the Halo fans because I know hopefully hopefully it's going to be good. I want everyone to be happy that you know gets the show that they they are hoping for that this could that it should be. Um, a clip I did see was a uh, or yeah it was a clip Matrix Resurrection. So there's a scene. I, I feel like it's a little. I mean the only reason I watch it because they mentioned uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Like like maybe he is in it. He's not really in it according to this clip. But they just show basically um, Morph or Morpheus Neo going into that. Is there even a name for it? Like the the hub room with that little the the kind of leather whatever couch or chair that he sits in. But you see like some stuff and because like I guess the other dude is like a reboot uh, Morpheus. Like I'm so a little confused. I haven't tried. You know I, I don't want to read too much about it and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. It. I want to experience it. That being said, I watched uh, Matrix Reloaded last night. <laughs> And in these movies, I mean, the first movie was so great. The second movie was interesting, but it's just like it just starts getting very heavy. And as I watch it, I'm like, wait, I okay, I I looked at my phone for a bit. Did I did I totally miss like a whole plot point explanation for this whole thing? And then I'm like, wait, what? So I, I got to watch uh, the last one because uh, the movie comes out in, what a couple weeks, or something like that. So. I'm excited. I'm really excited for that. I, I can't wait to, to see that. Uh, Black Panther 2. Let's talk about Black Panther 2. I have no idea what's going on about this. So I, I've talked about Letitia Wright being injured and with, you know, they tried to do as much production as they could. She's at home resting. And it's for some reason, it seems like they kind of downplayed the injuries and it turned out that it was like really serious. You know, she had a concussion and, and complications or whatever. And then I start seeing like all these reports that. She's not coming back because uh, it's come out that she's an anti-vaxxer, that she doesn't believe in and trying to stay safe or keep other people safe. And a lot of places are like, you want to work, you got to be vaccinated because it's for everyone's safety. Because uh, yeah, what I don't understand, you know, and I, it's it's a whole different mindset, I guess. And, you know, people are entitled to their opinions and stuff like that. You know, I'm. I give my my. This whole show is my opinion. You know, so obviously I've I've been open about it. I've been vaccinated. I got the booster. I feel good being around so many you know kids. And because I teach middle school, you know, there are you know kids that are 11. You know, a lot of sixth majority of sixth graders aren't vaccinated, and kids can carry it without having any signs. And, you know, I, I recently heard about, you know, like a, a five-year-old kid who had COVID at a younger school and they had no symptoms, but you are a carrier of this. So I don't want to put my life at risk because, you know, people react differently to it. And some people are kind of fine. They kind of get like put through the ringer or whatever. I don't want to have any lasting repercussions. I don't want my body to not be at 100% because I'm recovering from COVID. And I've also heard that like it kind of messes up your sex drive or whatever, and you know your performance. Is that, you know who knows? But the real thing, you know, how many people are dying all the time from COVID? And you know maybe there's other complications as well. It's like that's the thing. You you want to work? You got to be. You know, it's especially it's one thing if 
like I could see at like like you say my school if if a, a teacher you know we don't require everyone to be vaccinated. It's, but if you're not vaccinated, you have to do like weekly tests or whatever and stuff like that. And, you know, we're all wearing masks indoor and, you know, outdoor, you should be, you don't have to outdoors and all that. But that's the thing is like, if, if you're choosing like at my, at a, as a teacher, which I would be, if, if I, my kid was going there, I don't know how I'd feel like not knowing because it's not like full disclosure. I don't think we announce like, yeah, everyone is vaccinated except for this one person. You know, I don't think they, they, I don't think they can do that. I don't know the legalities of that. It's not my area to worry about, but I would be kind of concerned if I had a kid and, and knowing that, okay, here's this, you know, adult who spends so much time with my kid. I don't know what they're doing outside the classroom. You know, are, are they going out at night and, you know, who knows? And all it takes, you don't even have to have like some crazy extravagant lifestyle. All it takes is you, you go to the grocery store, bam, you get contact, you do something and then that's it. You know, or someone stops by to give you a bunt cake. Is that, that what they are? So if, if you're like in my job, if you're teaching and, you know, you're not vaccinated, you're wearing your mask inside. And hopefully, you know, you're washing your hands and you're, you're not, you know, getting close to all the kids and, and everything like that. If you're an actor, you can't be wearing a mask while you're filming your scenes. And, you know, you're around everyone. And it's always weird when you see, like, you know, like celebrities posting, like, their Instagram back, you know, whatever behind you see behind the scenes. And it's like the actors, you know, they don't have their masks, but, like, the crew is. And, you know, it's for the actor safety and for their own safety. You know, it, it's. But anyways, I was seeing, like, all these different reports that she wasn't coming back because she didn't want to get vaccinated or anything like that. But then I just saw another thing that they, they said she is coming back. Um, that, that they're going to start a production next month. I have no idea what, what, you know, what these are. Maybe the other, I don't remember who the other um, sources were. Maybe they just weren't legit. Maybe people are just trying to, you know, make assumptions or whatever. But yeah, so that, that's my two cents, get vaccinated. And I, you know, be, because of what I had, there's no tracking chip in me. There's no side effect. And I, Yeah. And, and if the government's tracking me, like, oh, the government can see I'm going to work and I'm coming home. I'm going to work. I'm coming home. Oh, I'm going to grocery store. Oh, I'm going to Target. Whatever. You know, I got nothing to hide. Eternals is coming to Disney Plus on January 12th. So if you have not watched that yet, I think it's it's probably still in theaters. I think it's still at my theater. You know, my theater's showing that, but they're not showing the Netflix movie, which I, I get. Whatever. So you can check that out. Marvel has also confirmed that there's going to be a Shang-Chi 2 and um, possibly a Disney Plus show. So the director, was it Destin Daniel Cretton? I think is is the director for the first one. He's also writing and directing the second and working on a Disney Plus show. It's not, it wasn't like totally clear or official that the show is Shang-Chi related. It would make sense. I mean, if, if, they're working on two movies and really knowing the world and building it and everything like that, then you it would make sense like, hey, let's develop a show too that's kind of related and everything. No idea. But that's that's cool. Kevin Feige has has finally said something about Charlie Cox, about Daredevil. So he doesn't confirm any well, all he says is that he wouldn't recast Daredevil. He said if if you were to see Daredevil in upcoming things, yes, 
Charlie Cox would be the actor playing Daredevil. So Ollie's saying that if Daredevil is going to be anything, it's going to be Charlie Cox. But he's not saying you're going to see Daredevil in Spider-Man or in Doctor Strange or in anything. Because I and I don't know, and by I'm just saying Spider-Man because that's what everyone was. I don't get why people were were thinking that that was his arm in the police interrogation room. It's like why would why would uh, Matt Murdock slam down a file folder at, at Peter Parker and saying whatever? And I have seen this one other image because I know there's some stuff leaked out, and I don't know if this is the leaked image, and I, I'm hoping it's just like a Photoshop thing. I really don't know. So if you know anything, I don't know anything. I don't know. Yeah. But that's cool that if they are going to have Daredevil in anything, that he's going to be there. And now because of Loki and because of probably Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, that if Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios really wants to say, yeah, the Netflix shows aren't canon, then they can just say, yeah, that was a multiverse. That was a, a different Earth. That was a different dimension. So the stuff that happened there is different. And if they wanted to recast Foggy Nelson or Karen Page or don't recast uh, Kingpin or Elect, you know, if you want to recast anyone, they could do it because it's a variant. Not all variants. You know, if if we could have different Loki variants and one variant looks like a friggin' alligator, then it's possible that. Electra or whoever, you know, don't recast. I think Electra was fine. I have to, I kind of want to watch those again because it's it's been a while. But yeah, so even if they were to recast Daredevil, which I don't think they should, you know, they they have a way to do it, but don't do it. Speaking of spinoff shows, so HBO Max is supposed to be doing a Penguin uh, spinoff show, off spinning off of the Batman, the Robert Pattinson movie. And Colin Farrell is confirmed to start because I remember like when this first came up out, I think it like wasn't confirmed that Colin Farrell was going to be involved with it. But they're like, there's going to be a Penguin spinoff. So I was like, how are you going to do a Penguin spinoff without the dude playing Penguin? But I guess he's in it, so it's like okay, that 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 makes sense. And um, oh, there was another trailer that I did see. Sorry, a trailer. Star Wars Eclipse. Did you see this? So this is apparently a video game. You watch it, it doesn't look like a video game. It almost looks like a movie. I mean, it's it's all it's. I'm sure it's all like cutscenes or whatever. I'm sure there's like zero gameplay footage in this. But it was just like really, um, just really crazy, intense graphics. I mean, just really amazing and everything like that. And I don't really know what's going on with what we see. And it's taking place during the High Republic era, which is a, like the comics and books that are coming out now. I'm not um, totally gung ho crazy about about those. I mean, the the one book that Charles Soule put out, don't ask me what it's called. That was it was cool. You know, I, I enjoyed that, and I you know because I, I listened to the audiobook. and I listened to I think one or two of the other audiobooks. and um, you know I'm I'm really. Intrigued with the ni 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 how I'm totally not I totally forgetting now. But anyways, the like the space evil space pirates were, were cool and we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this game, but it, it looked pretty crazy. And then the the last bit of news is uh, Marvel's putting out a Captain Carter comic book in March, so that's gonna be cool. And a lot of people are like like oh because of of the what if series. So now. You know, we we've you know she was like that in in Exiles. I think we first saw Captain Carter like that. So, 
but whatever. If 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 the what if animated series helps, great, because then we get to see more Peggy Carter. And that is going to be the news for this week. All right, with comic books at Image, we had crossover issue ten. So this is continuing with um more we we see more interrogation, more of of powers. Uh, and we see more Brian Michael Bendis is here and, you know, they're trying to figure out like, you know, who's behind everything and, uh, you know, what, what's going on. And so it, it was, it, it's, it's cool to, to see that. I feel like while, you know, this is a very, like, I've always said, you know, this is a very ambitious series and I, I love the idea of all these, I, I really love the premise and I, I wish there was, wasn't so much restriction like that. We, you know, we could see more, more characters, you know, cause Donnie Cates, it can only use characters that people are letting them use, you know? So we're probably never going to see like, you know, a Marvel or DC character because, you know, they're going to be super protective or whatever. You know, we've kind of gotten hints um, and, and so forth, but I, I like what, what's going on here. It's been interesting. I feel like the, the series is kind of slowed, like lost a little momentum. It's still interesting and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. So I, I I like what what's what's happening. Yeah, man, I just realized good Asian issue seven. I think the last issue I read was was like four or something like that. So this is a ten issue series. Um, I hope if you're reading that you are enjoying that. That's still um, going well. And then oh wait, Phenom issue two is that the the John Leguizamo comic? Was that Phenom Phenom X? Yeah, I didn't. Even, how do, I don't know how he didn't realize that the second issue, the first issue was just okay. Um, so I didn't read that. Wait, Silver Coin issue seven? How did I not read? Oh my goodness, I didn't read Silver Coin. I love that series. So Silver Coin was awesome. <laughs> I didn't read it. I'm gonna read that as, as soon as I. Well, I. I not. I, yeah, today. I, I gotta get this podcast ready to go. But then, what's the furthest, furthest place from here? Issue two. This is, I don't know, this is a very intriguing, uh, endearing, not really endearing. I don't know what it is about this comic. Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. This is another one. I, th- I think uh, the the art and colors just really, it like calls out to me. I don't know what it is. And maybe, maybe I'm, I'm starting to see a trend that, you know, there's some kind of similarities with this, but I really like this. And, you know, this is like, uh, a post-apocalyptic world or whatever. We don't know like what the story is, what's going on. Um, the first issue was double, was wasn't it a triple size? And this is like double sized. And this issue is only four bucks. So you really should be reading this. And what, what's interesting is, you know, we, we see like this group of kids are all living together. You know, there's, where's all the adults? What's going on? There's different like uh, factions of people. And, you know, they're, it's kind of like gangs and they're, you know, fighting over territory. And uh, in the first issue, there's one girl, who was pregnant and I, it kind of doesn't seem like they know what that means. You know, they think like she's sick, you know, what's happening, but then she ends up like disappearing. It's like, what happened to her? Where'd she go? So they, they don't know if one of the other families uh, took her and you know, what's going on. And then some uh, kind of bad things happen. Um, so it's just re- really good. I highly rec- recommend that you should be checking that out at boom studios. Uh, I have this issue. I didn't get a chance to read it. I, I don't. I'm not. Haven't heard anything about this. I haven't looked up any other like quote unquote reviews. But Buckethead or Buckhead number one came out. So this is by Shobo Coker and George Cambodice. Um And it says, "What strange secrets lie in the mysterious town of Buckhead, USA? 
Toba and his mother, a renowned scientist, have just immigrated to the U.S., but instead of living in a big city like Toba always wanted or always dreamed, they moved to a sleepy little town in the Pacific Northwest called Buckhead. In the middle of the picturesque and pedestrian town, Toba discovers that things aren't as perfect as they seem. This is a very long description. Toba and his newfound friend find a strange video game, a perfect replica of a town and of the town and its people. Uh, soon to- Toba is on the run from men in black with his friends brainwashed by microchips. Um, I that see that that sounds really cool. And uh, so I'm definitely gonna 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 check that out. So um, it's a five issue series. So Buckhead from Boom Studios. Um, then there's Buffy the or Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer issue one. This is a four issue series, and um, I, I was like, okay, this this could be cool. You know, I I want to get into the, the Buffy comics, but I I feel like I got to start. For, but then I think it's like, isn't it the series ending? I don't know what's going on. So this is by Casey Gilly, um, and then uh, Joe uh, Jaro does the art, and um, the first issue was just okay. I thought. Maybe I haven't read enough Buffy lately to get excited by this, but you know we we do kind of see like how things have happened, like what what's the state the status the state of with the vampires in the world, and um, you know so she's the last vampire slayer. She's like the only one, maybe, and you know there there's like the place is overrun by vampires, so there's like a truce kind of, but still yeah. So there, and there's like, you know, mention of like certain people, like, you know, we find out like things that may or may not have happened to other characters. So it's, uh, it's definitely interesting if, if you're a Buffy fan, just to, to kind of see like, this is what, you know, could possibly have happened in, in the, the future and all that. So it's, it's, it's a cool book, it seems like. But um, that being said, for me, <laughs> does it make sense that I'm saying this? The fir- this first issue was just okay. Um, you know, maybe once now we have like the certain things set up established that you know then it's going to kick into gear with the next issue i don't know uh then at dc comics we had robin's issue two so i i like the idea of this this is you know tim seeley part of it you know i I, because of my hang-up with continuity when i read this i'm like is this in a hundred percent full-blown continuity or is this kind of like the loose continuity? Like maybe it is, maybe it's not. And part of it is, is like, I think it was this series where like Nightwing's hair is like really long. And it seems like longer than it is in his series. And just, you know, and it's a fact like Damien's here, but Damien's in the middle of his, you know, tournament with the, the Lazarus, you know, League of La- whatever. So the what I'm I'm a little hesitant about this is that the main thing is there's the potential that someone else was Robin before Dick Grayson. I don't really like the whole rewriting history thing. And, you know, sometimes it can make cool and interesting stories. But, I mean, Dick Grayson was a first. And it's, it's like, thinking about the timeline, it's like, how long was this person, would this person have been Robin? Like, you know, t- two days, two weeks? So, I don't know. It just, it just kind of takes away a lot of when Dick became Robin and when we're also seeing, you know, we have the Robin and Batman series by Jeff Lear and Dustin Wynn. So it's like, that's what makes me like, how, how is all this connected or related and, and stuff like that? It is cool to see all the different, you know, to see Dick and 
Jason and Tim and Damien and Stephanie Brown. I, I love that. I'm so glad that they have Stephanie here as well, that you know she's included. So there's definitely some interesting things with the story that yeah, I'm really curious where this is going to go. So we'll see. And the fact that like when this sort of case is a start, like certain unfold, Batman's like, you need to stay out of this because like computers were compromised. And so you just like, you know, we don't know what's going on and stuff like that. So he's just, he seems like he's angry and they're like, when he's angry, you know, something's up. So I'm curious about that. Okay. Then there was a Batman came out. So this is by Josh Williamson and this series, this episode, it's, um, it starts off. So it's after fear state. Thank goodness. Fear state is over. Um, and it was good and everything like that, but you know we, we really see like what what's happening next. Where people are kind of like celebrating that you know everything's back to normal, and Batman's like a little like he's kind of put he's not used to that and everything. So, and then the, the craziest thing is like there's this like rich gathering for billionaires, and everyone's dressed as as supervillains, which just seems like the stupidest thing. And maybe that's just, you know, to rich what they do. So, like, when Batman shows up there because, you know, something's going down, you see all these people. It's like, who, how do you even know if anyone there is a villain or not? And with uh, cool, cool story, cool art. So we have that. Um, then we had Suicide Squad issue 10. So I believe, I, I think I forgot I didn't read issue 9. So I started, I was like, well... I, I got to you know see what's going on. So I started reading this and it's like they're out in space and I just something about the series is like not really grabbing me. So even though, you know, Robbie Thompson is is writing and you know I I like I really like what he's done before. I think part of it is is just just the idea of Amanda Waller and just how she's, you know, just basically kidnapping people now and, and trying to use them. It just not that I, I'm, I'm thinking we're like, what about their rights or this or that? But it, it just, I don't know. It, it kind of puts like a bad taste in my mouth, if that makes any sense. It just, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't seem like I don't really want to read about this. You know, these characters forced to do this, or I, I don't know. But maybe, maybe things will pick up. I don't know. And then we have Green Lantern issue nine. For there's something about the, the same thing with the Green Lantern series, where I'm. I'm really curious about this Joe Moline character. I think you know she seems really cool, and I think with the Far Sector series, when I tried reading that, I had like no idea what was going on. The art was a little stylized; that kind of like um, sort of took me out a little bit. That kind of made it feel like it wasn't in the main continuity, and it turns out it was, I guess. So with with this, my my problem here is is which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't feel like it's the Green Lantern. It's not the Green Lantern core stories that I loved or that I wanted. And again, it doesn't have to be. Not, you know, not everything is for me, obviously. But I think the problem I'm having is because I I was I always like Hal Jordan. You know, I always thought the Green Lanterns was like this cool concept and stuff like that. But then to have the whole Green Lantern core basically annihilated, you know, just wiped out, and you know, just 
it's cool for John Stewart how he's leveling up and you know big things are happening for him and the fact that we have Joe she seems to be like a really cool character I'm I'm really liking the fact that she's such a badass that you know she has all this power and you know things aren't really affecting her you know how everyone else is you know whatever did de- dealing with no not having a power ring and you know all that as I start reading this it's just it's hard for me to get into it. and it it partially part of it goes into knowing i have to read all these comics you know trying to rush through in some cases trying to read everything the past few weeks have been kind of crazy for me i don't know if i this is my lame excuse you know uh my my daughter's been taking this college statistics class and i've been you know working with her you know helping her with it um it, it's such a weird class because I, I taught ap statistics when i was teaching high school but this this statistics class this it's such a weird it's a it's like a you know 100 level class but it starts off with like your basic statistics stuff and you know she had no problem with that you know she was like breezing through it and then all of a sudden it just kind of you know takes off and and then like there was one chapter i'm like oh man this is so easy it's it's literally like like an algebra one thing you know when you're doing regressions and correlation well correlation not algebra one i could do a whole podcast on math but i'm not going to and anyway, so I've been spending a lot of time, you know, working with her and, and, you know, as she's working, I'm working, you know, working out the problems just to remind myself because it's been years, you know, since I, I've done this level of statistics, but some stuff like it goes like beyond it's just, it's so anyways, it's been taking a lot of my time, you know, we've been spending, you know, a lot and I've had less time to read. So I don't know if that's part of it that I feel like I don't have the luxury of just i'm just going to read this book even though it's not you know totally what i'm into so i just feel like i'm really like i don't have time for this so i'm just like you know i'll, I'll skim through it and and look at it, what's going on to see, try to catch if anything big is happening but i just i don't feel the energy to commit to it and i don't have the time to so that's my my lame excuse i'm not saying that it's a bad book or anything like that but on because of the fact that it's not what i as a a fan of the characters and the concept it's not what i want it's making me hard to accept it as being a stubborn reader is is what it comes down to but I'm going to keep up with it to, to see you know what happens because i am curious as like this is like crazy stuff and this is big then we have Crush and Lobo issue seven, <laughs> but for some reason I'm reading this, and I, I I'll tell you why. The reason I'm reading this is because of Mariko Tamaki. I love her writing. I think she she's a, an awesome writer, and that's the only reason I'm reading this. And because I, I like Crush. I think Crush, even though Crush is basically you know a, a Lobo spinoff character, which when you know she first came out, I was just like really. I, I I am interested in her character. I cannot stand Lobo. I'm so over Lobo. I used to think he was cool back when I was younger, and maybe I don't. Know, I feel like that was the the reason why. But I'm just so done with Lobo. I just I'm just so tired of him. I think he's just so overused. Just so tired. I am curious to see where this is going. How Lobo is just like betraying her, and you know the stuff happening. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm reading that. So th- this is continuing. Uh, you know, Crush trying to get Lobo and bring him back to the big space prison because Lobo twisted things around and made her, you know, he like basically switched places with her. Uh, so she's locked up and then they finally figured it out. So they're like, okay, you can go and try to find him, but you have, you know, this amount of time. Otherwise, I, th- I think they put a bomb like bracelet thing on her. So we have all that. 
Justice League Infinity issue six. I was really fascinated with this idea. So here I again, I'm just being so harsh on these books, right? Unfairly. Uh, the, the idea of this continuing from Justice League Unlimited, I, I think, was just really cool. And then they, they start bringing in, like, you know, basically animated Red Sun Superman, um, animated President Superman from Earth 23. You know, there's some some cool ideas. But I think the main problem I have is because we have Amazo. And I never really I never really cared about Amazo. I mean, he's, it's almost like, you know, it's just like too powerful. And it just, I don't know. So we're... we're having their they're dealing with him and you know we have all the different you know realities coming together and stuff like that this i don't know we'll, we'll see i'm gonna keep reading it but it's just kind of not quite working for me as i'm not as excited as when i you know was first reading it okay then batman 89 issue four so here we have what is this guy's name so his name is um drake drake something he is he's not tim drake but he's basically, if you look in a cover, he's going to be the next Robin. So he he comes along and he's basically, you know, this is the Michael Keaton Batman. This is continuing after Batman Returns and, and, and that continuity. So he's he's confronted, you know, Bruce Wayne. He's like, hey, I know your secret. You know, he says some things and, you know, he's he's wants to fight crime as well and, and stuff like that. So it's an interesting uh, little very variation. And just the fact, you know, we're, it's like we're reminded, I haven't watched the movies. Um, it's been, I think I watched them fairly recently. Did I watch them last year? Maybe like when we're in lockdown, but it's just as Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne is, he's kind of like different than your, like your typical Bruce Wayne. He's a, not necessarily a little more selfish or whatever, but he really does things his own way. So it's just kind of interesting to, to see this, this, uh, this Batman play out. Um, then there's Arkham City Order of the World. I, I think I read the first issue and I wasn't, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm afraid like I should be reading this. And I don't know if this has anything to do with Arkham Tower that's, that's going on. You know, it does save like with the, the first issue, Joker's attack on Arkham Asylum left a long-standing Gotham establishment and ruined, blah, 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 that stuff like that. So I think it is in, in continuity, but Again, it's just this other one. It's like, I, I just, I don't really have the time and energy to read that. But maybe I'll have to go into that at some point. Dark Knights of Steel, issue two. So this is continuing. This is a Tom Taylor, um, Yasmin Putri um, series. So this is basically alternate. This is like an Elseworlds story. Um, medieval DC characters. And it's interesting uh just seeing the different versions. One thing I do not like, and it has nothing to do with this comic. It has to do with how it was being reported by another outlet. What happened, spoiler, not really, but what we see in the first issue, this is, this is kind of a spoiler, but um, it, it's whatever. Uh, basically, when Kal-El, baby Kal-El's ship comes to Earth, he wasn't the only one in the ship. Basically, his parents, one or both, let's just say, don't necessarily, you know, both die on Krypton when it blows up. So they're, you know, one or or both of them may still be on Earth here. That being said, at one point, um, we find out. So here's kind of a spoiler, but just so I can tell the story is Superman, Kal-El has a sister, and which is a new new. Kryptonian base basically character. 
Uh, and for because of the difference in the history in this world, else worlds, all stuff like that, this character is in a relationship with Wonder Woman. So the the news reports something like Wonder Woman in in queer relationship with with new, new Kryptonian character or something like that. And I feel felt like that was such a clickbait that they're trying to say regular Wonder Woman is queer in a queer relationship, which you know she could be, but she's not. And you know they haven't established while you know it makes sense for Amazons to be queer. If we want to use, I I, see, I never know the, the terminology lesbians or gay. It seems like isn't it seems like I I'm still at this, it's like everyone's gay. Or not everyone, but I, I feel like you know if if you get what I'm saying. So to me, old school gay is is the word, and is that appropriate? I hope so. I don't want to offend anyone, but it makes sense that you know that if if you're on an island of women, it makes sense that women would fall for each other. You know, you're gonna fall for another woman if there's no man around. You, who needs a man, right? Is that what they say? But the fact that they're trying to say, oh, Wonder Woman is in a queer relationship now, it's like. She, but she's not, because this is an Elseworld story, so it's not the main continuity. So I, I feel like it was a clickbait thing. So it's just, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that stuff. Like trying, I, I mean, I never was trying to do the clickbait, but you know, we were told, you know, you have to try to come up with intriguing, you know, headlines. And thank goodness we weren't, you know, told by management it's like it has to be clickbait. We're told that, you know, you need to get like, you know, you don't want to put all the information in the title. You don't want to big do big spoilers. But at the same time, it's not like you won't believe what happens in this. You know, those are just those just crack me up. Uh, what else do we have? <laughs> oh, I, I was like, wait, Superman, son of Kal-El, number one, it's the annual. What was cool about this? I'm not a super fan of annuals because it seems like a lot of times nothing major really happens but this was a good one because of course tom taylor's writing it so you know it feels like it's important but this is basically john kent versus lex Luthor. so there's some some cool things i i feel like well also there's like a big heavy you know upcoming story arc involving lex that, that's gonna happen so this lays out some things so if you care about that, you definitely don't pass up on this if you're reading the series. There's some cool things there. And it was cool to see John versus Lex. And, you know, because John's like, he, he's no dummy. He knows from his dad, that, you know, what Lex is, you know, usually up to and everything. Then there is One Star Squadron, issue one. This was, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before. So, you know, DC gave access to this early so i read i've read the first two issues i read this first issue probably like a month ago or something like that and that's always a good thing you know they're like hey we're excited about this book we would love for you to read it and you may have seen like other um people like online commenting we weren't you know press quote unquote press weren't allowed to talk about you know or like you know post a review sometimes publishers say hey you can do an early review we were just allowed to share our enthusiasm, assuming that we were going to be enthusiastic about it. And and I don't think I actually got around to doing that because I'm a dork and it's time. But these first two issues are great. So it's Mark Russell, Steve Lieber um, doing the art. It's it's funny. It's good. And But it's not like full-on satire where it's like, okay, this is like Mad Magazine. No, that's not the case. So it's a... Uh, 
you know, one star squadron, they're basically, they're kind of like lame characters, even though we have Supergirl or not Supergirl, we have Power Girl. I don't think Power Girl is a lame character. And, you know, even Red Tornado, although maybe, I don't know, I've never been like the biggest Red Tornado fan, so maybe he's kind of lame, but even though he shouldn't be. So it, you should just you should definitely be reading this. This is this is a fun book, but it, it at the same time it's not just like total goofball. You know, if you've read anything Mark Russell's done, like the the Wonder Twins comic, or even like the Flintstones, you know he's uh, he's got this great grasp where just doing like the satire and a lot of like just a political commentary, not really necessary political commentary. I mean, the Flintstones Flintstones comic. If you haven't read that yet. I mean, it was so amazing how there's a lot of like of today's issues were like brought into that, and um, you know, kind of discussed and everything like that. So, I highly recommend like pretty much anything Mark Russell writes. You know, it's gonna be good. You know, it's gonna be funny and entertaining, without just being like a, a funny book. You know, just like a, a a throwaway comedy book. So, you should definitely be reading this. Basically, the the one star. It's it's kind of like you need a superhero for like. Uh, an event you know you need a security guard you need someone to show up at a birthday party so they have like you know these sort of heroes that are like on standby that want to do this and uh, some are kind of like telemarketers whatever and so you should definitely i again strongly recommend this i can't not not, i'm not saying it's the best book of the year or anything like that it was just really good so high high recommendations world of krypton issue one when this came out, I'm like, really? It's like, I don't really care about another Krypton book. You know, it's something before the planet blew up and all this. Uh, but it was Robert Venditti is writing it. So one, Robert Venditti is a super nice guy. Super nice. Um, and also, he's a really good writer as well. So it's kind of like the bonus. I'm glad that because he's a good writer, he's a nice guy. And I'm also glad that because he's a nice guy, he's a good writer. You know, I, I, I'm not going to promote a nice guy's work if, if they suck, if they're not a good writer. But he he doesn't suck. He's a good writer. I, I love Robert. I mean, I miss talking to him. I, I, haven't, I can't remember the last time I've had the opportunity to just talk to him or interview him about anything. So I'm glad that he's he's uh, doing, you know, he's doing Superman 78 too, right? So uh, Michael Avon Oming does the, the art. And his art, sometimes it works, you know, certain things for me, like Powers it's perfect. I mean, I, him and Bendis power, I don't want anyone else, you know, he's a co-creator, which, uh, I don't think I mentioned in a crossover, uh, Michael Avon Oming is in there as well. And there's some funny things, I like some stuff that he says, but, uh, at first I'm like him, you know, Oming's art on, on Krypton. I was like, how's that going to be? And it actually works. I, I do like it. You know, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I, I'm kind of curious with what, they're laying out here and it's it's kind of cool um just to see i didn't think i would i wanted or cared about this part of history i feel like i don't need to see more of krypton's history whatever but it's it, at the same time it was entertaining and I, I i was intrigued by it so so there you go <laughs> um so check that out if if you're fans of the, the creators or if you um are fans of of krypton Okay, then we have Amazing Spider-Man issue 80 dot B-E-Y dot beyond. And this is basically Aunt May and, and Doc ock comic. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm not like super familiar with, with 
Cody Ziggler. Isn't Cody Ziggler doing like the She-Hulk um, Disney Plus show something? But I don't know. I could be totally wrong with it. So th- this was a interesting. So basically, because Peter's in the coma, you know, from the radiation stuff, Aunt May's like, okay, I uh, desperate times, and she calls up her former fiance, Doc Ock. And they kind of go on this mission together, sort of. And it's uh, it, it's it's cool because you know Aunt May. I am so glad Aunt May is like the. If you look back at the original Aunt May, man, she was hanging on to life by a thread. It's like if, if she sneezed, she was gonna die. You know, just just the movement was gonna be too much for her. So um, I, I like that she's tougher now, and she, you know she's not taking any crap. Um, Captain America, Iron Man issue one. Uh, I started reading this, and at first, this was a book where I'm, I'm, you know, when I first looked at this, I was like, again, my big thing is, is this in continuity, or is this like some random other story? Which like, there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like the these, like the, the non-continuity ones, kind of like the the armor Avengers story. Uh, I feel like that these are for the casual readers, you know, or if you want to, you know, get it collected and give it to someone else. So I'm like, okay, Captain America, Iron Man, is this? Is this just the, the, hey, it's a holidays, here's a comic, you might like this. But it is in the continuity because it does um, kind of pick up on stuff from uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier comic that we just had recently. Um, but reading it, I, I, I wasn't super into it. And and maybe because while I enjoyed that the Falcon Winter Soldier comic, just the, that lady who was like, trying to take over Hydra and everything like that. I just didn't really care for that, that story thread. And, you know, so now it's kind of continuing with that. So I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll check out the next issue, but I wasn't like super excited for it. Then we have, um, death of Dr. Strange blade. And this was just blade being the sheriff of vampire town, whatever, you know, picking up from the, the Avengers storyline. And it just, it didn't seem like crucial. This is almost like an Avenger spinoff story in a Doctor Strange. The only reason it's in, it's included here is like some of uh, the other vampire. They're like, well, now the Sorcerer Supreme, you know, the he, Doctor Strange is an Avenger, so he's not around. So we, you know, we can do what we want. And you know, why are we go- going by their rules? Because basically, the vampires are allowed to live in their this their own little country or city or whatever it is, and you know, they're not going to be hunted they're going to get like blood sent in or whatever and blaze just kind of like the sheriff you know making sure that they stay in line and stuff like that and so it i mean it, it was better than i i feared but it's not i don't know if i would have necessarily i mean i like blade i don't love blade so if i never would have read this I think I would have been okay, but if you like Blade and if you're following any of this, you know, if you're at all curious about this vampire stuff and how this this world's working out, then then yeah, it's it's worth worth checking out. But as far as like the death of Doctor Strange stuff, it wasn't crucial to the Doctor the death of Doctor Strange story. Okay, then we have Devil's Reign issue one. Um, if you're reading Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, you need to read this. This is this feels like it's very ambitious. This is like huge. This is like like Civil War level um, was what it feels like. That it's bringing in all these characters. I mean, just look at the the cover. Basically, uh, what's happening is without revealing the catalyst for this because that happened in, in the last issue of Daredevil. 
that you may or may not have read yet. But Wilson Fisk is just like he's putting his foot down. He's he is just outraged. He's just he's so irate over this discovery that he made, and he's he basically passes a law that makes being a superhero illegal. And you know he has his task force or whatever. So if anyone is, I'm trying to think or trying to remember how it was. Basically, like if if you save someone, then you're gonna get arrested for because you're using powers and it's it's just and this is a the, the t- touchy area the whole thing is you know y- trying to stop a crime that's not your job you know th- just being a vig- vigilante you know there there's who because you're not accountable to anyone if you're a police officer you know you go through training you know you have your badge and yeah you can make the argument that you know a lot of uh not a lot. Some, unfortunately, some police officers abuse their power and you know get away with things or do things they shouldn't. But there's still the, the accountability factor where hopefully if the justice system works properly, like we've seen sometimes, sometimes not, you know, if, if someone abused their power, they paid a price, you know. So with vigilantes and part of it also because of the unknown factor. You know, it's it's different than like if you're Luke Cage, but if you're like Spider Man or Daredevil, if you want to do something, no one knows your identity, so it's like you can do whatever you want, and that shouldn't be the case. So I kind of see that, but at the same time, they have these extraordinary abilities, and if there's this big flaming building and someone's gonna like fly in there, jump in there, you know, and make an invisible force field and save people and stuff like that, that's great. No, you know, not a knock against the the you know, dedicated and highly trained firefighters, but why put their lives at risk if they can help out as well? Um, but then that could be like, well, maybe them going in or making things worse. You know, you have that argument. They're not trained to fight, you know, using this fire as an example. So it's just a it's touch, touchy area. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? And then, so it's like, if you're a hero, you just say, okay, all right, screw it villains go at it and but that, that's the thing is like they can't really do that because they know wilson fisk is a criminal even though a lot of people believe that he's not because they're just they just fall for it i mean just like we saw a lot of people fall for certain other people who were essentially criminals in a position of power you know when you see the things that they've done or hear the things that they've done things that have been like on on record uh but yeah so um it's it's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to see how it's 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 going to be one of those things where it's just kind of messy and just kind of like because as you see how just things are bad and it's like you don't want to look at it but you can't look away so i'm, I'm really excited for that um then we had fantastic four life story so this is by mark russell but this is not as funny so i, I know i just said everything mark russell does is, is slayer there are some funny moments here but this is a little more serious so this um you know i i I give Mark Russell some props for this, where this is basically taking Fantastic Four in real time. I forget the year that we're at here. Does it say on the cover? The zero zeros. Um, so they developed their powers in 1963. Each book has been like a different decade. You know, we're taking time jumps. And and throughout all this, like Reed has got like a... He knows Galactus is coming to destroy the Earth. And this is something he's been obsessing, like trying to figure out a way to stop like so much so did it like it deteriorated his marriage and stuff like that so we're, we're seeing like all these different things like as they get older and how things happen and this get as you see on the cover 
it's time for Galactus to appear. What does this mean? Is there any way to stop him or is it going to be the end? And it's just, it's, it's been a, a really interesting book. Then uh, we have Giant Size Black Cat, Infinity Score. What I don't like about this is this is the last Black Cat story for a while. Although, is there a Black Cat, Mary Jane? I don't know if it's a one-shot. I saw, like, J. Scott Campbell is doing a cover, and I think um, Adam Hughes is doing, like, a cover, like, their variant covers. I've just been loving Jed McKay's Black Hat series. I mean, both of them, it's, they've been so great. Uh, I've, you know, I've always liked Black Hat, but I feel like Jed McKay's leveled her up. <laughs> I'm going to keep using that because of the flash. So I, I just been, I've been really enjoying what, what he's been doing. And, uh, you know, so this is continuing with all the infinity stone stuff. So we see like, it all comes to head, like what Felicia has been trying to do. And basically her going up against like Nick Fury Jr., which I just think he's just a, a big dork. And uh, then there's stuff with like Nighthawk and that. So this is, this is a really, really, um, it was a good issue. And it's it's been an interesting storyline. But I just don't like the fact that she's she, her story, her art series is over for now. I mean, until something else comes up. Then we have Hellions issue 18. Orphan Maker uh so nanny was was kidnapped and uh i think she was killed so orphan maker goes like just loses it and because you know he's he's like a kid but he's not a kid and he he killed some humans so now that's like the big no-no rule on krakoa it's like you can't kill humans so like him and all of the hellions are kind of like on trial for like their part and going on this mission or whatever and not stopping him and so it's like what's going to happen, and um, so there's some interesting things there that like with the the results of of what happens, and it's like what does this mean for the Hellions? It's like are they done? Are, are they all going to get locked up, thrown in the hole? Um, Inferno issue three. So this is Jonathan Hickman, R.B. Silva, and uh, this if I don't really see why. It's called Inferno. I'm trying to think. So Madeline Pryor stuff. I think that came up in Hellions. You know, mention of resurrecting her. You know, because that's something that Havoc's wanted. So this is Inferno, but it has nothing to do with that. And the main thing here is Moira McTaggart. And uh, if you remember when, like, all this House of X or House of Ten, House of X. Um, what was the other one called? There's like the two X-Men books when Jonathan Hickman first started this. So we, we found out that she is really a mutant and she has like this, she like can relive her life and with like all her memories. And I think she was like on her sixth time through. So I don't know if that means she can change like history because you know she knows what's going to happen and uh, different things. So no one else knows about this. And I remember recently saying, it's like, where the heck is Moira? You know, there's like, nothing's been going on with her. And uh, then there's been some stuff where they've been denying Mystique uh, to resurrect Destiny. You know, her Mystique's, uh, were they ever married? Or are they just her her partner, whatever? So, you know, Mystique has always wanted Irene to be resurrected, but she's been in denial. And they finagled a way to make it happen, you know, secretly or whatever. And um, this can go against the fact that knowing Moira is alive, that she, you know, her abilities. And so there's like all this conflict coming up and uh, uh, power for Krakoa, for the council. And so some some big uh, crazy things happening there. Then we had uh, Star Wars issue 19. 
So this focuses on, you know, Luke wants to find out more about Jedi stuff, but, you know, he feels obligated to help the, the Republic and everything like that. And Leia's like, dude, you got to do what you got to do. So, you know, no one's going to, uh, you know, fault you for, you know, trying to take care. It's like, you need to do this. You know, you're an inspiration. And if this helps, then, you know, you got to do this. So he goes, uh, there's like this list of, of potential Jedi places that, you know, him and R2, they, they go to check out. Then we have Star Wars Crimson Rain. So this um, this is interesting, you know, with this uh, Quira. Uh, what, what's what's that her name? Um, I'm I'm really curious to see like more of her, like what her deal is, and you know the fact that she took over Crimson Dawn, and you know there's some mention of Darth Maul who, or Maul who was you know running Crimson Dawn before, and you know like what she's trying to do and and how she's basically come to power like you know rebuilding you know keeping this organization going so i think there's some interesting things there and then uh the last comic i believe is x-men legends issue nine so i never read issue eight um this is continued this is a larry hama billy tan but i say i did read ish no wait i read issue seven um and i thought it was just okay even I, you know, I really enjoyed the Larry Hama Wolverine stories, but this particular era, you know, Lady Deathstrike, I, I'm not a big fan of her. Omega Red, I just, I don't like. I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him. So I, because of time and everything like that, I, I still haven't read issue eight. So when issue eight came out, I didn't read it, and I still haven't read it. So it's like, well, I haven't read that. I should probably read that before I read issue nine. But part of me is like, I don't know if I really want to. But I will at some point. But I didn't. So um, hopefully, a fatal four-way: Wolverine versus Lady Deathstrike versus Omega Red versus Sabretooth. It is all my. Fa- I really I don't like Wolverine's villains. Maybe because they're all just big jerks. I don't know. So I didn't read that. But hopefully, if you read it, you enjoyed it. It was good. Um, but yeah, I, I can't tell you anything about it. But I can tell you that that is going to be it for comic books this week. Okay, one thing I do want to mention uh, before I get into Dexter is I'm not talking about Chucky this week. So I, I think I got to cut some stuff. So Chucky's going to go. No Chucky talk. That's it. No Chucky. But also, um, if you listened last week, the season's over. So so that's why there's no Chucky. But Dexter, New Blood, is still on. Season 1, Episode 5. I feel like um, I don't know what's going to happen in the next, next couple weeks. But again, I'm totally fine with shorter episodes. It's a holidays. I am de- I am have done 220 this is the 224th week in a row. I have not had a week off. I'm pretty sure I'm like, right? I haven't. I've I've been able to do it every single week. So, no one cares. I mean, I'm sure you care. I think I appreciate you caring. But this is more like a personal thing. So, it's like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm determined to do it. Oh, but it's it's it can be exhausting at times. Anyways, uh, Dexter, New Blood, issue episode five, Runaway. So Dexter, you know the whole stuff with Harrison and attacking the the, the kid Ethan, and you know he was supposedly going to kill everyone, but it's like he he's like no, that didn't happen. So he's looking at Harrison's straight razor. Deb's like you know quote unquote Deb is in his mind talking to him, asks if if he thinks Harrison remembers when his mom was killed and he's like that's not possible and she's like well you remembered what happened you know when his mom he was a little older when you know he was in a shipping container where his mom was killed or whatever um you know she says that you know she wants to help her save harrison and he 
he's like, what, to prevent Harrison from becoming me? And she's like, what Harry did to you was child abuse, you know, teaching you to become a serial killer and how to get away with it. But Dexter thinks that he's like, well, I, I think I could help him, actually help him. So not, you know, not the same way Harry did, but he feels like he could help him as well. Then we see Kurt with that girl, Chloe. Um, so he, you know, took her, he gave her some money, you know, um, he offered her a job and then he took her to the room where that other girl was, you know, with the camera in there. So he tells her she can stay as long as she likes. He's like, it would have just sat empty. So it's like in this underground, it's like in a basement type thing, you know, cause there's like kind of like the bunker doors that leads down this, this hall. And, and then there's like sort of like a, a cabin or something above that. So it's like this totally separate, you know, place. He said it just would have been empty. And she then she's like, um, well, what do you want from me, like, in return for this? And he's he says, he asks humbly that she pay it forward. And she then she's like, looks in, in the other room. She's like, is there a shower in the bathroom? And he's like, yeah, and, and a j- jacuzzi tub. And she's like, thanks. And she's so excited. She's like, I could just die and go to heaven. And he just like smiles and then shuts the door and leaves. At the police station, Logan tells Angela that the credit card uh, receipts came in from New York. The charges um, at a hotel for the last three nights, like Kurt said. Molly's like sitting in the office, you know, because she's hanging out, like helping with the lost cases, things, you know, missing persons. So she's like upset. They like look at her. She's like, no dead guy, no podcast. And then um, Angela's like, she's pissed at, you know, he's been eating five star meals while she's had half the town freezing her butts off looking for him. She's like, I'm tempted to drive down to the city and you know see him face to face. And Molly's like, okay, I'm down. And Angela's like, uh, I don't know if it's a good time. Or she's like, she says that, you know it could be a good time because there's a missing persons conference city she'd want to go to, but it it there's no way the county would approve the cost for that. And Molly's like, well, I can expense it. She's like, done road trip. So she you know she can expense it for her her podcast. I guess she's making a lot of money off her podcast. I guess. I am not making a lot of money off of my podcast. Um, so Harrison comes home. He's excited. He mentions the assembly and everyone cheering for him. And then Dexter standing holding the, the, the straight razor. Harrison's smile fades away. And he's like, you went through my stuff. And Dexter's like, we need to talk. Harrison's like, I only carry that for protection. And he's like, from what? He's like, well, I slept on the streets. He's like, people do weird stuff. He's like, the first time I got robbed, they took everything. Next time I was ready. And Dexter's like, okay. Then he's like, well, why'd you take it to school? And then Harrison just like walks out of the room. And Dexter's he's like, I'm not judging you. He's like, I just want to know the truth. He's like, I heard Ethan's story, and it's pretty different from, from yours. And Harrison gets defensive. He's like, WTF, you believe some psycho school shooter over me? He's like, what do you think? He's like, what do you think I did? Say it. And Dexter's like, he's like, if you did hurt him on purpose, you can tell me. And Harrison's like, the rest of the town thinks I'm an effing hero, but my own dad thinks I'm what? A liar? An animal? And Dexter's like, no. He's like, I think you're a kid who's going through something and maybe that he doesn't understand. He's like, I just want to help. He's like, you know, you can trust me. And Harrison says sharply, he's like, why the F would I trust you? He gets ready to leave. He's like, you're the one living a lie, Jim. So I really don't like Harrison. And I, I don't think we're supposed to. It's just like, oh my gosh, you're so annoying. It's like, why did you even come here? It's like, just just yeah, walk out the door and leave, you crazy psycho kid. 
Um, unless there's something more to it, you know, that we don't know, but obviously, uh, whatever. Harrison's like sitting outside and then some jocks pull up. They're like already drinking. He's like, they're like, there's a party tonight, whatever. And you're the guest of honor. And he looks at the house and he's like, give me a beer. And then they throw him a beer and he goes with them. It's like, oh, that's real smart, Harrison. Audrey mentions, uh, to her mom that Harrison is hanging out with Zach and the others. She's like, can I meet them? Um, so, you know, Angela is, is heading out. There's this lady, Miriam. Um, I don't know if it's if it's Angela's mom or like wh- why she's there. She's like, oh, it's fine. She's like, I'll make sure she's home, you know, on time or whatever and stuff like that. So Harrison, uh, when he gets to the, the party, there's like a, a list I taped to the door. So he discovers it's a kill list party. So from Ethan's notebook, Zach says like everyone there is alive because of him. And Harrison's like, just saying, so he walks in and they kind of look at him. Then he's like, let's effing party. It's like, oh my gosh, such a dork. Dexter goes to like the, the bar or restaurant, whatever. Bartender Tess, I think she's a the science teacher too, who spoke Spanish, but she asked about Harrison and she mentions a therapist who helped a student um, that she had in case Harrison needs to talk and like doesn't want to talk to his dad. Kurt comes in and she's like, oh, here we go again. And he goes to the jukebox. He put on he puts on Del Shannon's Runaway and starts like getting into it. And he's like, let's party, whatever. So the bartender, she's like, he does this every so often. It's always the same song. He dances by himself. And Dexter's like surprised. He's like, you know, either Kurt is crazy or he is. Um, Harrison sees Audrey came to the party. She says that she's like, you haven't really texted me lately. She's like, um, since I sent the podcast, she's like, you know, that freak you out. He's like, no, no. He's like, I like them or whatever. And she talks about how none of them would be there if it wasn't for him. And, you know, like, how does it feel having that kind of power? And he's like, how did I get that list? And she's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, maybe someone had access to my mother's police station. Then this girl comes up to him and gives him like this big kiss. He says, or he goes, she goes somewhere else. Or I think someone pulls her away. This other girl comes up to Harrison, gives him a kiss. She's like, my hero, you saved my effing life. And she says that, you know, there's a rule, no phones. What happens there stays there. So, she, you know, they put their phones in this bowl on the counter or whatever. And then she has a couple pills and she gives him one. And then he's like definitely feeling it because it's like this weird camera angle where, you know, he's just like kind of walking around and you, he's kind of feeling good. But he's also like, you can see he's not really sure. Um, so then later, a girl pulls out a knife and she's like, I dare you to carve an H on my ankle. So I always remember my hero. He like, he's like, he barely stands her. He takes it like, like cuts her. And then she freaks out because it hurts. She's like, ah. It's just like so stupid. And he kind of freaks too. So does he have the same thing Dexter has where like the seeing the blood, like, you know, like gets him like whatever. Um, so he keeps cruising around the party. He drinks some more. And then this other kid sees him and he's like, oh, you need to pick me up. So he gives him something else. He takes it. Audrey sees him. She's like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, I'm great. He's like, I'm an effing hero. Didn't you hear? And she says that, uh, she's like, you're off the rails. Like, Let's get you some water. Then he tells her, he's like, my dad doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm a liar. He's an effing liar. You know, and he's like, you know, his real name's not even Jim Lindsay. And she's, she looks at him. She's like, you know, it's, it must be whatever he's on the drugs, whatever. Then he's like, do you believe me? And she kind of pauses and she's like, yeah, I believe you. Then he's like, why are you the only person here who understands me? And then, boom passes out falls on the ground and you know scott's nearby she's like what was in the pill you know what what'd you give him he does, like, doesn't answer because he's just like uh. so she runs gets her phone calls 911 so logan then is, is trying to revive him you know he tells audrey he's like a few more minutes and he'd be and then logan's like 
you need to tell me, you know, what he took. So then he goes to Scott and he's like, what did you give him? He's, and he's, he's like, whoa, well, coach. He's like, I'm not your coach right now. He's like, tell me or I'm putting you in cuffs. So then he gives him the drugs. He's like, oh, it's just Oxy. He's like a bunch of them, you know, a bunch of us took it, whatever. And Logan's like, you know, right now you're going to jail for possession with the intention to sell unless you tell me exactly where you got them from. So like Logan is, is getting hardcore. He's like serious about this. Dexter rushes, you know, he finally, he finds out, he goes to the hospital room where Harrison's at. Doctor tells him what happens. Black market pills are unregulated or homemade. Sometimes one pill can contain a lethal dose. Logan tells him, you know, talks to him that apparently Scott's brother got them from a street dealer. Then he tells Dexter that Harrison is a great kid, but right now he needs some tough love. He's like, he could have died tonight. And Dexter tells him, then he's like, okay, you can just back off. And he's like, and he's like, just because you're an assistant wrestling coach doesn't make you an expert on parenting, because you know he just keeps pushing this. And Logan's just like, he just walks away. He's like, all right, fine. So then uh, he gets out. Um, Harrison's like walking ahead of Dexter. You know, he still has a chip on his shoulder and everything like that. And surprisingly, you know, he gets to leave right away. Deb is like annoyingly talking, you know, behind Dexter's like, he could have died. He calls, call, you call yourself a father. You didn't even know where he was. It's like, okay, how many your kids go out say they're going somewhere? I'm sure so many parents don't always know where their kids are because, you know, they say they're at one place and then, you know, they might go somewhere else. That's just, the unf- that's what kids do. So then uh, before they reach the car, he tells Harrison, he's like, you're going to start seeing a therapist. Um, and then he's like, besides therapy, you'll go two places, home and school. And Harrison's like, well, everyone took the pills. And Dexter's like, I don't care about anyone else. He's like, I care about you. Then Harrison dryly says, yeah, okay, whatever you say. And he gets in. So then uh, the girl, uh, Chloe, you know, so she's, you know, she comes out of the bathroom and she realizes the door is locked. So she starts like, like, you know, knocking, you know, pounding on the door, call, trying to call Kurt. Then she hears like some footsteps upstairs and she's looking and she sees a camera with the you're already dead message. You're, you're already dead. So then she gasps. <gasps> Logan um, calls Angela. Audrey's okay. There was a party. Harrison OD'd. He's okay. You know, Audrey was there too. She was totally sober. She was the voice of reason. Uh, so then, um, so she's like, okay, whatever. And then Molly is trying to smooth talk the hotel clerk. Um, but you know, about trying to get some information, he says it's against protocol to give out you know any information about guests. Angela walks up, puts her badge down, and she's like, "We need to talk to Matthew Caldwell. You know, can you confirm that he's a guest here?" He looks. He's like, "Okay." He, he looks uh, on a on a, the computer. Then he's like, uh, "He checked out last night." Angela sees like the camera. She's like, "Well, what about the security footage?" She's like, "I need confirmation that he was actually there." Dexter makes Harrison big breakfast. He's like, okay, so your first appointment with the therapist is this afternoon. Uh, he's like, we'll get through this. And Harrison's like, yeah, whatever. Then, uh, so Dexter goes, probably go to work or whatever. And then jerky, stupid Harrison takes a plate of food, and it looked good. He throws in a garbage with the plate and with the utensils. I'm like, what a little... Dexter goes to, um, he actually doesn't go to work. He goes to see Dr. Patel. She's, she's like the vet, whatever. And, uh, you know, she's like, I think, I don't know if there's someone, an uh, animal giving birth or something like that. So, you know, she's working on something like that. He's like, he's like, yeah, one of my goats hurt its leg and hasn't slept. And she's like, you know, so she's busy. She's like, well, there, there's some ketamine in the back and some, he's like, oh, could you see some syringes? She's like, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, grab what you need and I'll bill you later. 
So he goes back there and he's like, hmm. And he's, and he's like, why not, you know, one stop shop or whatever. So he grabs a couple rolls of plastic sheet too. And then, uh, then he, he goes to the bar, this other bar, like a totally different bar, has a syringe. Um, he's sitting there, you know, orders a beer, sees this sketchy dude. Someone comes up to him. It's basically like a drug deal. So he's, is that, I, actually, at first I was like, is that Scott's brother? But I think it's Scott's brother got it from someone else. So it's not Scott's brother. So then uh, the dude comes up to the bar and then Dexter's like, are you Miles? Because that was like, the guy's name. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, who are you? And he sees Dexter's wallet and there's like a bunch of money in there. So because he's like, he says that he could use a little something or whatever. So he tells him to go outside. He's like, let's follow me outside. They go to his his car He's and he starts going in his, his trunk so Dexter walks up to him, sticks him with a needle, but then whoop, whoop, a cop siren goes off. So he's like, oh, plan B. So then he starts punching him. He's like, stay away from my son. So then Logan and Teddy are there. It's like the only two cops are in one car. Do they only have one car? And so Logan pulls him off. Teddy cuffs a guy. And Logan's like, calm down. And he's like, you know, just follow me to the station. We'll fill out some paperwork. Harrison, meanwhile, grabs his backpack, leaves the house. Uh, Molly, you know, she's looking, she wants to go to like the hotel spa or whatever. Angela, you know, she's going to go to the conference and we see who's the speaker. None other than on hell, Angel Bautista. So dude who worked with Dexter at the, in Miami, Logan, um, lays it down to miles. You know, he, he's like, I want a lawyer. And Logan's like 18 are dead from, from overdosing. He's like, there's almost 19 last night. Um, Dexter is like out there and he, he kind of, you know, he's listening in and he's like, damn Logan. He's like, even I feel intimidated. So then, uh, uh, he's finds, you find out that just someone named Jasper Hodge makes the pills. He's so he's, he's about to leave. And Logan has like the last known address. So he's, and he like tells, um, the reception he's like, it's going to take about like 12 hours to get a, a warrant. Dexter, he's able to look at the address like on a, on a desk. Harrison's walking through the town. It's like, is he going to therapy or not? Um, Kurt watches the camera footage like a creep. Chloe gets up and you know she's standing in front of the camera and she takes off her top and you know she's wearing a bra underneath. And she's like, is this what you want, right? And he turns off the mic. He's like, stop it. He's like, that's not what this is about. So then she takes off her, her bra and he like shuts the laptop. And then, you know, then she gets into bed. You know, she's like, she doesn't know what to do. And I don't know if she found a broken a piece of broken glass or if she put it there. You know, maybe she put it there because the camera's in that room and not in the bathroom. But she has, you know, there's broken, you know, big sharp glass under um, either sharp glass or mirror under her pillow. So Bautista is talking about the Bay Harbor butcher. Um, Molly's like listening, you know, she's there. She's telling Angela that, you know, she's like, oh, I did an episode on that one. It's like, they thought it was a cop in their department. She's like, imagine what it'd be like, you know, to be right next to a serial killer for like years, having no idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angela may find out someday. Then Bautista says that, you know, it may be that one person, you know, is responsible for several missing cases or something like that. So then, um, you know, that, that kind of gets Angela thinking about like all these missing cases. Like, could it be one person? And, uh, it's probably Kurt, right? Dexter is outside Jasper's house. Deb's is like, just, you know, let him walk, you know, let him go, you know, just go home, go to Harrison, be, you know, uh, be, be a good father or whatever. And Deb's like, you know, this isn't about the code. This is vengeance. And he's like, yep. 
So Dexter goes through a bathroom window. Um, he has like a bag of stuff. He finds a room with a bunch of like blue pills on the floor and everything. He goes out downstairs and, you know, there's like a video game on um, this guy, Spencer, what Jasper, whatever his name was, was in the bathroom. He gets him. So Kurt, he now has his winter coat and hat on that he uses when he goes hunting. He goes to the laptop and opens the door. He tells Chloe, you know, the door opens. He's like, you're free to go. It's over. And then she grabs her stuff, and then she's about to, to leave. Then she stops, and then she's like, make me. So she sits on the bed, and, you know, she grabs the, the broken mirror. Uh, so he comes in, um, and she, like, cuts, you know, she swings at him, cuts his cheek a little bit. They, like, wrestle, and then he pulls her outside, and he grabs his rifle, and he tells her to run. He's like, go, or I'll kill you. So she panic, and then she starts running towards him. And he's like, this is the way it's supposed to happen. He, like, shoots her, shoots her in the eye. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, you ruined everything. Then he shoots her again. Then he like, he's like, hits him, like hits his head. He's like, oh. So I don't know why he wants to shoot someone in the back. Like what that's all about. So Angela finds Bautista at the bar, introduces herself. You know, they talk talk about the missing girls. You know, women fifteen to twenty five. They're either transients or prostitutes or whatever. Um, not not missed by anyone. She says that, you know, she got the feeling, you know, something was up, like when her friend disappeared, you know, when she was little. And he's like, yeah, you, you just got to trust your gut. He mentions uh, the other time he had to trust his gut was with the Trinity killer. It's like no one understood how those deaths were related. And she's like, well, how'd you crack it? And he's like, well, a young detective, Deborah Morgan, you know, she always had gut feeling about it. And she never gave up. And he's like, she died. You know, it's a real effed up situation and stuff like that. And then, you know, and she's like, and her, her, you know, her brother died too. And, you know, he, he had a son. He's like, what was his name? Uh, he's like, uh, it's like, yeah, was, you know, she's, she's like, well, I'll go get another, you know, another round of drinks or whatever like that. Then he's like, Harrison, he's like, cute kid. So, uh oh, then, uh, Dexter, um, he makes a kill spot. You know, he's got pictures up. Jasper's tied down. He wakes up with, you know, cause Dexter gives him like the smelling salt. And he like asked us, he's like, who the F are you? And he's like, you know, he's blah, 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 all this stuff like that. He's about to kill him, and then a car pulls up. And it's like, it's Logan. And so he can't kill him. So he's like, what is he going to do? Harrison is, is still walking. Then he's outside the diner, and Kurt pulls up. He's like, what are you doing way out here? He's like, well, I'm on my, on my way out of town. And Kurt's like, well, why don't you let me you know, buy you a hot meal before you go on your grand adventure? And Harrison's like, he's like, what happened to your face? And he's like, oh, you know, was it just an accident or something like that? So Dexter has to change things up. He puts a bunch of drug up Jasper's nose, and then uh, cops bust in, and they find Jasper sitting in a chair. He's dressed, but he's dead. So I don't know how. I mean, Dexter had to make him OD, get him dressed, because they're always naked when they're strapped to the table and there's a saran wrap. He has to get rid of all the plastic, put it, shove it back in his bag, and get out of there. It's like, I don't know how he would have done all, all, all this uh, stuff. Um, then uh, Angela's looking at the hotel footage with the clerk. So this guy comes up, and it's clearly not Matt Caldwell. So it's like some other guy. She takes a picture, you know, with her phone uh, of the dude, and she asks Miles. She's like, "Why would Kurt lie about this?" Harrison's scarfing down his food because he probably hasn't eaten all day since he was a, a big dum dum and threw away the, the breakfast. Kurt tries uh, talking to him. He's like, "You know, do you have money?" He's like, "You know, things aren't always easy between fathers and sons." Um, he, he's like, I'm gonna give you some advice, whether you like or not. He's like those moments when you're seeing red, he's like, do something kind for the person pissing you off. He's like, even if you don't want to, he's like, you can never outrun the rage. And then he asks the waitress, he gets an application. He tells Harrison, he's like, you want a new life? Start by getting a job. 
And Harrison's like, why are you being nice to me? And he's like, just pay it forward. So I wonder with Kurt. So Kurt's got this thing. And because he did the same thing with Chloe. He gave her an application. Or was it Chloe or was it someone else? Maybe it was Chloe. And does he only want to kill girls? Or is he willing to bring Harrison over and then going to do the same thing to him? Does he just want to kill someone, shoot someone in the back? It's like, what is his problem? Angela arrives home. Audrey's um, waiting you know, Angela hugs her, says that, you know, she's like, I'm not mad. I'm glad you're okay. Audrey says, Harrison said something weird just before he passed out. Said his, his, his dad's name isn't Jim Lindsay. So then uh, Dexter gets home and he asks if Harrison's hungry and, you know, how was therapy? And Harrison, he's like, well, it was actually good to talk to someone. But see, I don't think he went to therapy. Did he go to therapy? I don't think he did. So maybe talking to Kurt, he said that that helped him. So then we see Angela looking at a computer and she, uh, you know, she's looking up stuff and then she prints out an obituary for Dexter Morgan. Dun, dun, dun. That's where the episode ends. So that's not going to be good for Dexter. She's going to be like, dude, what, what the heck? And, you know, I'm sure he can probably say it has something to do with, you know, his sister getting killed and just wanting to get out of there. And being worried about you know someone coming after him and everything, we'll see. He's I I don't know. He's probably gonna get caught up off guard. You know he might not be prepared for this. Has he ever come up with like a cover story if he does get caught or if someone calls him out on it? And you know it is a little um, the the chances that Angela happens to go to this conference happens. You know Angel happens to be there, and but I guess that's how it goes. Okay, with The Flash, Season 8, Episode 4, Armageddon Part 4. So, let's just get to it. Central City 2031, it picks up from the last episode. Batwoman's talking to Iris about, she's like, well, I don't know about you know being pregnant in a bat suit or something like that. And I don't think she's pregnant yet. I think she's talking about like, the possibility of it, whatever. Chester awkwardly comes up and talks to Allegra. Um, you know, she's thinking of moving back to Central City or whatever. Harrison said, you know, starts his toast to Iris that we saw last episode. To Iris West, the love of my life. Oh, it's not Harrison, though. It's Eobod. It's Eobod Thon. Um, then they see Barry and, Her- and Eobod's like, you had a lot of nerve showing up here. You know, and then he's like, it's been you the whole time. Despero, Armageddon, Joe. Then Iris yells, don't you dare say my father's name, you murderer. And they all glare at him. He's like, it's me, Barry. He's like, I'm, I'm your husband. And she like scoffs. He's like, we all fought Thon together. And Cecile's like, my God, he actually believes the things he's saying. And he's like, I'll show, show them. And he puts on his ring. <laughs> and it's so weird when he puts on his ring, he like runs off screen. And then he like, Jung. it's almost like they, they wanted to cut the cost maybe of doing a costume transformation. But it's like he runs off. And then the next scene you see him runs on screen but he's wearing the reverse Flash costume. It looks kind of weird on him for some reason. And then he's like, Thawne, what'd you do? And he's like, you're not the Flash, Alan. And then Thawne runs off camera and he changes. I am. And I have to say, Tom Cavanaugh looks kind of weird in the costume. I don't know. Because I, I think, I'm almost positive, every time we see reverse Flash, it's not Tom Cavanaugh. And, and, you know, it's someone else's as reverse Flash. But seeing Tom Cavanaugh, I mean, because it's so clearly Tom Cavanaugh wearing the Flash costume. I don't know how they can protect their, their secret identities. And, you know, I, I talk about it like the very first time when we saw the very first 
trailer with Grant Gustin in the Flash costume. I showed my wife, who knows nothing, who's not following any of the CW shows. I showed her this, and she's like, "Oh, that's the guy from Glee." It's like she knew right away. So, it's, anyways, so they're they're switched. They face each other, and Thon's like, "Team Flash, suit up." Iris pulls out a big, giant, blocky rifle. Where the heck did she get this gun from? It's like, how is she she carrying this rifle? Because they're at this party and doing toast, and they're all in like you know formal wear, and she pulls out this gun. And then um, she, you know, because guns make you cool, right? So like, oh, you're a badass because you have a gun. <laughs> like, but where the heck did she get the gun? Did she have it like her back pocket? Is like shrinking ray gun or just whatever? And and like back back girl, bat woman, whatever, whatever to call her. She's like in her her suit already. How the heck does she suit up so fast? I feel like I missed something. Um, Thon throws some lightning. Barry. Um, Flies into the table of gifts and yells. He's like, Thon is tricking you. I came from the year 2021. Um, some of them like run out. They leave. And then Thon throws lightning again. Barry dodges it, but somehow manages to deflect it back. And Thon disappears because Ryan Choi shrank him and then brings him back. And he gives us like a little nod to Thon. He's like, hmm, like, there you go. Teamwork, bro. Some whatever. Uh, and then Barry still punches him. Uh, Alex uses like a paralysis ray or something like that. Batwoman does this ridiculous, super long flying jump. She like it's like she flies across the room. How the heck does she she do this? I mean, I'm not watching Batwoman, but maybe something. She's like literally like this is like a, a t- tall ceiling room. She's flying across the room like doing this big jump, and she hits him, and it like it barely does anything. <laughs> So then they, they start, you know, hitting each other. So like that, I guess he's not a speedster. This is the thing that always gets me with this. It's like, you can't hit someone because it's like, they're going to see, I guess he's just caught off guard. Although he is running at lower power because he's not leveled up. Right. So then, this is, that was for Ray. This one's for Nate. That's for Sarah. And Allegra's all powered up. And she's like more, Allegra has powered up. She's like, like all, at first I'm like, who the heck is that? And it's like, oh, it's Allegra. Uh, it looked kind of cool. And she zaps him. So that's for Cisco. Iris um, checks on the unconscious Thon. Barry sees her and zips her away. And then uh, Frost and Chillblain, the other dorky dude, they come out there in the bathroom, I guess, going at it. Because like, I, I think Iris had said something about that. They're like, what did we miss? Because I guess they're... Just you know, doing hanky-panky stuff in there. Barry brings Iris to their loft or place. And she's like, get away from me. And he's like, you have to believe me. She's like, Thon must have changed the timeline. She's like, this is our home. It's like, we have kids. She's like, you're psychotic. Thon um, gets there and then pulls him out of there. And he says, he's like, Iris West is my lightning rod now. Barry's like, what'd you do? He's like, nothing you haven't done before. You created a flashpoint. Uh, Thon's like, wrong. I created a reverse flashpoint. <laughs> and he said, that, you know, he started by messing with uh, things at the lab. He, uh, so we find out he caused Joe to fall in a track after the last encounter. It was clear that Barry was faster than he was. So the only way to defeat him was to become him. So he went all the way back to 2013. He made sure that he was the one struck by lightning. He did everything. He stole his life because every villain needs a villain. He created him too. So he, he wore his face when he attacked the city Jefferson, uh, you know, took Barry's power. So he's like, you're at what, 5%? And Barry's like, you created Armageddon. And Thon says that, you know, he didn't create a perfect world just to watch it get taken away. 
I, apparently what he did is he just went back in time. He killed Barry as a child. And eventually it's going to catch up to him in a timeline. And he's just going to be wiped from existence. So uh, the Speed Force won't help him because it chose Thon now. And um, so he's like, I did. It's like, I won. So then uh, the police come. Barry zips away. We find out Damien Dark was let out of prison on a technicality. Um, his accomplice, the reverse flash is still at large. So this is like kind of news. Barry finds him and he's like happy to see him. Barry describes things to Damien as if he's a bad guy. You know, he's like, Oh yeah, I defeated flash. And you know, before he, I could put my hand through his heart, he went back in time and changed things. So it's like, you know, multiple instances. He's like, so they, they need a particle erad- eradication distributor reverse flash is going to he's he's pried it from ray palmer's dead hands or he's going to take it from there but then they they can use that with uh damien's time stone or something like that so team flash is trying to find reverse flash barry cecile's like i can't feel him anymore and then thon's like try harder and then he's like oh sorry allegra's like you know what was up with him? He's like, did he really believe he was a Flash? And Thon's like, he's a sociopath. And Iris talks to Thon, says, you know, Reverse Flash seemed off, and he called her his lightning rod. She's like, you're the only one that calls me that. And Thon's like, he's trying to separate us. So Barry and and Damien go to Star Labs. Damien wants to kill all of Flash's friends on the eve of the wedding, but Barry um, carries him away. He says that, you know, they have what they want; they can kill him later. Damien starts magic choking Barry. He's like, the Barry Allen I know wouldn't hesitate. He's like, who are you? And he tells him, he's like, thought is a real reverse flash. He's like, he's going to erase him at midnight. He's like, you could still help me. Damien's like, I'm the bad guy. He's like, why would I help you? And Barry's like, he's like, well, you're also father. You know what it's like to love someone with all your heart and soul. And, you know, like Nora. And then Barry's like, Nora's alive in a timeline I'm from. He's like, you gave your own life so she could live. So he uses a time stone or somehow and he can see like in barry's timeline he's like it's true my nora doll is supposed to be alive i sacrificed myself to save her and barry says that the honor to honor that sacrifice restore a timeline to bring her back and damien's like let's go to work so batwoman has to go because two-face showed up so she has to go back to gotham she says that she'll be at the wedding tomorrow uh she gives her uh this uh, iris this velocity gun thing that's from luke that could disrupt reverse flash from the speed force why does she happen to have this and how does she get it so fast or whatever iris is having trouble you know then you know she's at home she's trying to write her wedding vows and she's like struggling with it allegra talked to alex before about how she and chester hooked because she's like what's up with you and chester so they hooked up one night 10 years ago after a lusty D session so i don't know if this has happened yet maybe it happened because it should be happening right around now if it hasn't already in the morning, he was gone. So after a few days, they decided to just be friends. She comes into Chester's lab now. Uh, uh, Alex comes in and she's like, why did you go to Allegra? And it's like, dude, Alex, it's none of your business. <laughs> you know, you're maybe good friends with her. And he's like, I went out to get blueberry muffins and coffee, to, you know, so we got breakfast in bed. When I got back, Allegra was gone. So she ghosted me. He, he said he wanted to tell her, but then they got attacked by the Legion of Doom. And when dust settled, he tried bringing it up, but she cut him off. So I guess this wouldn't have happened yet. So maybe it might be coming up. She, uh, he said that the, or she said the night was a big mistake. They were better as friends or whatever like that. And then Ryan Choi is just annoying because he's like, he seems like he's so like anti-love or he's like, oh, whatever. He's like, you know, and so like him and Alex are just kind of like arguing. 
Barry's doing calculations, so he has to hit Mach 20 in order to open a portal. Damien suggests like using the Earth or whatever to you know run around, reach the speed. Barry's like the force exerted would cause earth earthquakes, volcanoes, and Armageddon. So in order to bring back the timeline, he's gonna have to risk destroying Earth, just like Dustboro predicted. And there's a two percent chance to hit Mach 20, so he might not even be able to do it. Alex talks to Allegra. Um, she lied to her. She said, you know, every relationship she's had ended with her getting kicked to the curb. Everyone leaves. Then Ryan comes in for more, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, she's Louise. Like, you know, thank goodness an alarm goes off about reverse flash. Because it's just like, this whole big talk is like, who cares? This, this is supposed to be Armageddon, not potential relationship that hasn't even happened yet because this is in the future. And so Barry goes to Iris and she points a gun at him. He says that he wants wants to talk. He came because he's about to do something impossible. He didn't want to leave the world without telling her. And then Thon comes. Uh, he, he says that you know she doesn't love Barry. She loves him. And she's like, tell him, Iris, or better yet, shoot him. Barry, sa- Barry says that after everything Thon's done, he can't take away how he feels. He's like, shoot him, Iris. And he's like, I love you, Iris. Then Thon says, fine. And you know he's about to attack him. Then he gets shot. And Iris whispers, go, before I change my mind. So Thon's like, on, on the ground. Barry starts running. Fire, earthquakes, chaos, and everything like that. They think Barry is trying to destroy the world. You know, Team Flash is like, what's he doing? Oh, no. Frost and Chilbane uh, attack Damien because he has to, like, do some stuff with the Time Stone. You know, he's like, keep going, Barry, you know, during contact or whatever. So uh, Constantine gave them a protection spell so he can't use his magic against him. Allegra's like, Chuck, I love you. I love you, too. Kiss. Caitlin is like, when did this happen? <laughs> Barry's running. Thon's chasing him. So they're running all over. Barry says that he's not going fast enough. Damien's still fighting Frost and, and Chilblane. They blast him with ice, and he throws it back at them. He makes his big blade to kill them, um, but then it gets, like, real heavy. So Ryan increased the molecular density and then sort of like fighting him. He has this new costume now and it looks cheesy on him. And Alex zaps Damien unconscious. Barry runs. He's like, Iris, I love you. And then you see all these memories. Thon reaches out for him. Then Central City 2021. Despero has everyone like tied to a chair. Then he's like, I'm going to, he's talking to Cecile. He's like, I'm going to ask you again. He's like, if I don't like the answer, you'll join your friends in the afterlife. So I guess everyone's dead. Uh, so Allegra, Foss, Caitlin, Iris, and Chuck. Uh, so like blood's like coming from their, their nose and ears and stuff like that. He's like, where is the flash? Wait, are they dead or, or are they not dead? Um, she screams that she doesn't know. And he says that he believes her and he opens his third eye. So he's going to kill her. And then Cecile gets up and then, oh yeah, so they were dead. But then the room kind of changes. So the timeline changed. Barry zips back. Flash, what did you do? He says that he went to the future Iris is right. Someone changed things to make him go mad. It turned out to fix it, he had to start Armageddon. Only this time, he didn't destroy the world. Barry says Despero left 2031 before the, end, before the world ended. Eobon Thawne wanted to catch, up, catch him, and the Speed Force is what caused the destruction. Iris helped him connect to the Speed Force and saved them after all. So Despero is like, I sense you're telling the truth. And Barry says, he's like, yeah, go to 2031 and see for yourself. He's like, I will. And if you're lying, I'll, if I find anything still in danger, I'll come back and you will die. So then he goes in the other room. The others are eating big belly burgers. They're like, oh, we thought you were working through lunch or whatever. He zips up to Iris and he hugs her. And they're like, okay. And they're like, are you all right? 
And Iris, like, she's like, did something happen? He's like, later. He's like, right now, I just want to be with all of you. Then, then um, she's like, do you want me to call my dad and Frost? And he's like, she starts calling. She's like, can I talk to Joe? And he's like, Joe, is it really you? You're really there? So then we see Thon. Uh, he goes to the secret Gideon room. And he whispers, nobody uses time against me. Nobody puts baby in a corner. If I live, I will change what's about to happen. And you will help me. Then his eyes go red. To be continued. All right. So there we go. Not over yet. But uh, it was a little bit of a better episode. Again, you know, obviously there's like some super cheesy things. But whatever. You know, that that's how it was. So that, that was all right. Okay, then uh, my favorite. I think I think this might be my favorite show of the year. Hawkeye season one, episode four. Partners, am I right? This was such a delightful episode, and and part of it is like there's a big part of it where there's not a bunch of like superhero action, and it, it's just it's so it's kind of wholesome in a way, but it's just so delightful. So it starts up from the last episode. Jack has a sword up to Clint's throat. Kate runs up. She's like like no, and then Elnor comes in. And she's like, what's going on? And why is there an Avenger in my living room? Then Jack's like, oh my God, you're the archer. You're archer. And Kate says, she's like, no, it's Hawkeye. And she's like, see, this is what I said about your branding issue. So the four of them are sitting at a table, like with tea or whatever. And Kate says, it's like, we're working undercover as partners. And Clint's like, we're not partners. And she's like, yeah, we're more like, uh, you know, partners slash friends. And uh, he's like, we're not friends. And then uh, Eleanor, she's like, Oh, someone like logged into my account on my laptop and he thoughts Kate Hawkeye and Kate's like, uh, she's like, you'll never get anything out of CB one. And he's like, no one calls me that. And Jack thinks Clint, he's like, well, thanks for saving the world. And he's got like this big cheesy smile. And he's like, don't mention it. Eleanor, um, she wants her daughter to start telling the truth. Kate says, I logged into your account because I needed information. And Eleanor she's like, she asks, she's like, is Kate really helping, you know, Clint with Avengers level threat? He's like, not exactly. Then she asks, but you are working together. Clint looks at Kate. He pauses and reluctantly he's like, yes. He's like, sounds weird because it is. Eleanor says, okay, uh, I'll just have to trust that everyone at the table is doing right. Clint looks around and he sees a Ronin sword like sitting against a wall. Kate's like, cool. He's like, it was great bumping into you guys. And Eleanor is like, please stay. And she asks if she can see Clint out. So she wants Clint to leave, basically. So at the elevator, she's just telling me, she's like, I want to clarify. She's like, Kate is not a superhero. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, come on. He's like, I already knew that. She's pretty good at it, though. Then Eleanor says, Natasha Romanov was pretty good at it, wasn't she? Being good isn't always good enough to keep you alive. I just, I think it's weird that she would pull the Natasha Romanov thing. But, okay. And he's like, okay. Then before... He can get on the elevator. She's like, do you have kids? She's like, I assume you do. She's like, it's it's been a rough couple of weeks, you know, whatever. She's like, but I can't lose Kate. He's like, I understand. And then she's like, so you'll forget this case? He's like, I cannot do that. But what I can do is ensure that your daughter stays safe. Okay. So um, I think he managed to get the sword on his way out because it looks like he has. It. I don't know when he would have grabbed it. And then he texts Laura and asks her to run Sloan ltd for him eleanor calls uh someone leaves a message and she's like asks him to call her back it's urgent so we don't know who she she called outside clint um calls laura so she talks in code his friends because you know the, the kids are in, in the kitchen 
His friend's been very busy learning Russian and running a lot. So he's like, ah, the, the tracksuits. So he's like, so Sloan is her front? And she's like, yeah, her friend said his boss, Jack, never gives him a day off. So he's like, oh, he's a CEO. And then Clint's like, asks if he's laundering money for the big guy. And Laura's like, let me guess, you're going to need another day. So like, who is the big guy? Could the big guy be Wilson Fisk? Clint mentions, uh, he's like, well, there's a girl in the middle of this, and I can't leave until she's safe. And then she asks in Russian, she's like, if anything else was missing from the Avengers compound, like the Rolex. And he says, he's like, I thought that was destroyed years ago. And Laura says she thought so too, but also thought the same about his fancy outfit. So um, I don't know what the deal is with this watch, why, what, and whose it was, and how she, like, how much she knows. But she tells the kids that you know dad's stuck at work a little longer. They're like, oh. Kate's lying on a couch with Pizza Dog. Eleanor is like talking to Jax, saying she's been obsessed with Clint Barton ever since the attack. Jack's like, well, you know, she's pretty composed for being around her idol. He's like, I'd be a wreck if I ever met Huey Lewis. <laughs> Jack, um, he goes to get Eleanor some tea, and Kate wants to talk about Jack. Eleanor says, like, just give him a break. You know, he. Um, but she's like, but I do. I would love some help um, planning the Bishop holiday party. And Kate's like, I don't think I'm in the mood. She's like, but you're you're good at planning and stuff like that. So then Jack comes in. He's like, oh, did I hear parties? And he talks about dancing. And Kate's like, well, my mother doesn't dance. He's like, oh, I beg to differ. So he like pulls her up. He starts singing a I forget what Christmas song. Whatever. Starts dancing. Kate's like actually smiling. She's like, I've never seen you like this. And you know they both laugh at you know because of Jack's uh, misuse of, of euphemisms. Um, he's like he says something like absent makes the heart grow older and you know they, they laugh and explain whatever he's like you know being left at by family is better than being alone for the holidays so this makes kate think about hawkeye um and we see hawkeye he's like taking frozen things out of the freezer and like strapping them to himself to ice himself so he like he he like tie, yeah he has a bunch of like things like tied to his arm like these little pouches times is tied to or taped to his arms and wrists then the buzzer goes off he goes, answer it, and it's Kate. She's like, I come bearing pizza and holiday cheer. So she comes in with pizza dog and this, like, you know, fake tree and like whatever. She's wearing a, a she has a pizza also. She's wearing a Santa's hat. And then she also says, it's movie marathon night, right? So she brought some movies. And then um, he's like, thanks. You know, that's very thoughtful. So he asks, he's like, um, but can we put a pause in that and talk about Sword Boy for a minute? You know, he says that um, he's like you. have got good instincts. You know, he. I did some digging and turned out Sloan's a shell company that launders money for the tracksuits. And Jack Du Du. I can never say this, his name. Duquesne. Du Du Duquesne is a CEO. So she's like, okay. So I have to figure a way to, to take down my mom's fiance's organized crime ring while simultaneously having a heartwarming holiday celebration. She says she also got ugly sweaters. And uh, so then later we see her, she's working out plans, like writing stuff on a, like a, a glass picture frame. And uh, then she's like, and then we, she's like, you're supposed to finish my sentence with, with a plan. And he says, that, um, you know, it's like, well, plans aren't really my thing. And then he's like, and are you sure that's a dry erase marker? And she like rubs it and it's not. So she's like, use permanent marker on her aunt's picture frame. Then later, you know, they're sitting, they're, you know, watching a movie. She's like, how do we get more trick arrows? He's like, there are no more trick arrows. He's like, you know, I have a a few um, trick, whatever, arrowheads. He's like, but you can't just put them on any shaft. Then she's like, 
what about like boomerang arrows? And he's like, what? It's like, why would I ever want to use a boomerang arrow? And she's like, because they come back. He's like, exactly. And she's like, well, you know, if all trick arrows were boomerang arrows, we'd have them all. And he's like, yeah, they'd come back at us. And she's like, well, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to dodge. And he just kind of like laughs or whatever. And then uh, you talk about like uh, splitting an arrow with an arrow. She's like, I that I call BS. She's like, I've tried that. He's like, no, I've done it. You know, he's like, the first one has to be wood or whatever. And then she asks if he has any other cool tricks. And he's like, he's like, I could knock someone out with twenty feet with a you know circular like disc ornament. And uh, he's like, a, you know, a nickel or a quarter would work, and you know, a dime wouldn't isn't like heavy enough or something like that. And then she's like, prove it. She's like, or I'll just tell everyone, you know, Hawkeye's full of it. So this is something that does actually happen in the first comic that I'll talk about in this week's secret podcast where he flicks a, a coin. So he um, he takes a, the ornament thing, whatever, he flicks it, and it shuts off the stereo, bounces off, and turns off the TV. And she's like, whoa. She's like, you've got to teach me that one. So then they're more drinking because there's like these like frozen like margarita, like we're in the pouches or whatever, sort of putting them in a blender and doing stuff like that. Um, she's practiced snapping a disc. Um, the second shot, she actually turns on the tv and he's like oh not bad kid so then she asked best shot you ever took and he's like it's uh, he said uh it's the one that he didn't take and she's like what's that mean then he's like uh it means never mind he's like i shouldn't have said it then she like pushes him she says you know it could be my my christmas present you know it's story time then he gets serious he's like it's not a good story okay and then he says it's about the time i met someone he's like i was sent to take her out when I got there and it was time, I just, I couldn't do it. I just had a feeling that she wanted out, and it turns out I was right. And then you know, it's like quiet for a second. She's like, "You mean Natasha?" And he nods. And he kind of looks around, like you can see he's like, kind of like fighting the tears, or just you know getting choked up. Then um, he's like, "She was the best there was," and she's like, "I'm sorry." And he's like, "It's fine." He's like, "When you do what I do for a living, you know, it's just a game of managing loss." more silence so they're watching it's a wonderful life and she's like you lost your family in the blip he's like yeah took out half the world and she's like that must have been devastating and he's like there are no words then she asked you know more silence she's like is that where you met ronan and he's like silent and then she's like it's you isn't it and he just says he's like i already dealt with the blip in her own way he's like i kept doing what i was trained to do and she says like protecting people he's like hurting people He's like, investigating first, but in the end, my job was always to hurt people. And she's like, you're a hero. He's like, I was a weapon. He's like, I was aimed by the right people at the right target. So, and she's like, so you made some mistakes. She's like, those are behind you. And he says that they're tied to him, tied to his family. That's why he's there. He's like, I can't go home until I fix it. Then he says that, you know, he really appreciates what she did tonight. You know, all the, the holiday stuff. He's like, it means a lot. And then she's like, yeah, you know, I should get some rest. It's like big day tomorrow. And he thinks back to his family. Um, he, you know, thinks about Ronan in action. Natasha letting go. You know, saying it's all right, Clint. And you know, before she goes. So it's three days until Christmas in the morning. Uh, he wants her to get his trick arrows back from the Larpers or whatever from the police station, because uh, you know most of them are first responders, and one is a cop. He's like, you know, they're colorful people. It's like, you'll love them. So she wants, uh, she's like, well, aren't they like our arrows? And he's like, yeah, okay, go back, go, go get our arrows. So she goes to the park where they're like practicing their like fight stances and stuff like that. So she introduces herself as Hawkeye's partner slash best friend. <laughs> and she's like, I need help on official Avengers business. She's And he said that one of you is a cop. 
He's like, basically, we just need some casual run-of-the-mill evidence tampering. He's like, Hawkeye's trick arrows are an NYPD facility near the Manhattan Bridge. And the cop lady, she's like, yeah, I could probably help you out if you make it worth, you know, my while. And then this firefighter dude's like, worth our while. And then she looks and is like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. So then we see Kazi, the, the, the like Maya's number one dude, what a tracksuit dude. He gets in his car and Clint surprises him because he's in the back seat. And he's like, he says, I, he's like, I just want to talk. He's like, I need you to get out of the city. He, so he took his gun because he's looked for it. And he's like, before you go, you need to put this Ronin situation to bed. He's like, I know you have Maya's ear and you seem to be reasonably, a reasonably not stupid guy. Clint says that, you know, he's like, I know you've been working under the previous guy for a few years and now under Maya. He's like, I know you're working under the big boss who doesn't want this kind of attention. So again, who's the big boss? Um, he knows Maya's obsession with wanting to hunt Ronan down is dangerous and Maya's need for vengeance is to get her killed. So she's chasing a ghost. He's like, this is the final warning. Get it done. So he gets out of the car and Kazi's like, can I get my gun back? And Clint's like, what do you think? Clint returns to the apartment. The firefighter guy is there taking snickerdoodles out of the oven. And then Clint, he's like, do you want one? Then he asks Kate if she got his gear. A LARPer is like giving her, like trying out this like leather, like costume vest or like whatever armor thing. And Kate's like, it's on the way, relax. And Kate suggests that she's like, because this one person like makes a costume. She's like, well, what if, you know, we make us costumes and you will get you the material. And, you know, Clint's like getting antsy. Then he gets a, a text from Laura. The Rolex wasn't destroyed at the Avengers compound. Uh, the transmitter is signaling from the location, uh, from this location, 3715 Godfrey Road. Then he's like, okay, uh, he's like, I have to go. Kate's like, we have to go. Then he says, uh, he's like, well, you have to change. The cop uh, comes in with a bag of arrows. So arrow retrieval mission complete. So he thanks her and he tries taking it. She's like, uh, this is my bag. And she's like, didn't you bring your own bag? He's like, uh, no. And she's like, my wife gave me this bag. It's embroidered. It says bombshell. And he's like, that's a nice bag. Yeah. And Kate's like, you'll, you'll get your, we'll get it back to you. It's like, I promise. And it's like, she still doesn't want to let the, the bag go, but eventually, you know, she does. So they're sitting on a rooftop across from the address. And he says that, you know, something very important is pinging from the inside. It was stolen from the black market auction and he needs it back. There's no lights, no movement, so this is her chance. And she's like, this would be a lot easier if we were on a higher rooftop. And he's like, that's what you think. And she's like, yeah, exactly. That's why he said it. <laughs> that just cracked me up for some reason. He tells her, he's like, you always want to prioritize a quick exit over a quick entrance. So when things go sideways, and they usually do, you have an exit strategy. He's like, that's why he chose this spot. It has good uh, you know, sight lines for all the exits. He's like, you know, looking through binoculars and he's like, you know, getting in should be easy. It should take about three and a half minutes. Um, if you know she sees anything, give him a signal. Then he realizes she's already gone. So he's like looking through the binoculars and talk to her. She's already, uh, then he sees her. She's like casually walking across the street, like through traffic. <laughs> um, so he's like talking to her through the comms and she's like, change of plans. So there's this old dude with like a couple grocery bags and she's like, oh, can I help you with that? And uh, then he's like, where are you? And she's like, I'm in the elevator. And, and the, the old man's like, are you talking to me? And she's like, uh, no, she's like, it's it's an actual Avenger. And she's like, eee. and he's like, oh. uh, you know, Clint's like, I can't believe he's saying that. So then um, she walks down the hall and she's like, how do you deal with a, a giant bow? Because, you know, she's carrying whatever. He's like, I have a collapsible one. She's like, oh, that makes sense. 
So she, uh, he says, like, the living room is clear. Uh, so she goes in there, and, like, a couple strobe lights start going off in the corner, and she shoots them with, like, purple goop arrows. And she asks, she's like, what am I looking for? And he's like, a vintage Rolex that belonged to someone he used to work with. He's like, they've been out of the game a long time, but their identity is still attached to the watch. So could it be Laura? Because we don't know how Clint and Laura met. I don't know if Nick ever said anything about them, but why would Laura have a Rolex? So it's like, who the heck could this be? Because at first I was thinking it was like Iron Man Rolex. It's like something with the armor, but I guess I don't think it is. So if the tracksuits find out about it, it'll blow their cover and goodbye friend. So I don't know if he would talk about Laura like that. And I, I think he at this point he would just say it's his wife. She finds it, and then she also sees a notebook with his name on on, on this, the sheet. So someone's taking notes about him and his family, has a kid's name. Then he tells her, he's like, get out of there right now. He's like, that light was a silent alarm for people who can't hear. Kate sees a picture of Maya and her dad, and he's like, she's coming. And then she hears him like grunting and fighting, so someone's fighting him on the roof. And then she turns around, and Maya hits her. So she tells Clint, and he's like, he says that, she's like, it's Maya. He's like, yeah, I can see that. And she's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And he says, he's like, Maya's on a roof with me. And she's like, no. And he's like, so he's like, then who the hell, who's he fighting then? So the person he's fighting is wearing a mask and has like night vision goggles. Uh, He shoots a zipline arrow and, and, uh, you know, Kate goes, she gets like halfway through because since they're they're like level. So she's like, uh, you know, she's like trying to like shimmy herself across. Then uh, the side on Clint's roof gets, the arrow thing gets a little lowered or whatever. And uh, the masked person kicks and slams her down. And she's like, oh, that hurt. So they, they pull a gun on her. Clint um, steps in front of the gun. Then Maya comes on onto the roof, kicks the masked person, and knocks their gun out of their, their hands. So Maya's there. This masked person's there. Clint and Kate. Kate slides for it, and the masked person does as well. Kate kicks it up, and it like, falls over. To, she, like, kicks it, somehow she kicks it up, and it goes flying over. Uh, more fighting. Maya gets zapped by these red electric like zapper things that look really familiar. Kate gets flung over the roof, and Clint goes running. She managed to like attach herself as Clint reaches out. Then she's like, "Pull me up!" And he's like thinking about Nat, like Natasha when she's like hanging there. Then he tells her, "She's like, get out of here!" Like he cuts, actually cuts her loose. Um, there's like some Christmas lights below her that, that kind of like slow down her fall to the street because they're they're only like like a few stories up, if, if that. Um, so then <laughs> she gets to this, you know, and she gets to the street. She's like, ah, so she goes back to, to the stairs and goes back up, up to the roof. Maya and the mass person are, um, both going towards Clint. Um, she shoots like a sonic arrow that like shoves them back, making their ears ring. She shoots Maya in the, in the shoulder with an arrow and Maya like breaks the arrow off and then she like leaves. The mask person zaps Clint in the, the neck and, and he like grabs her, her mask Kate raises the arrow as a person turns around. Spoiler, which is was you may have heard of this. It's Yelena Belova. Belova, Belova, Belova. Kate like holds the arrow like she's about to shoot it, and Yelena like slowly like shakes her head, and um, for some reason Kate doesn't shoot her. So she throws something on a rooftop that like kind of anchors, and she jumps off the roof backwards. So she asks Clint, she's like, "Who the hell was that?" And he's like, "You don't want to know." And she's like. 
I can't be your partner if you won't tell me what's going on. He's like, you're not my partner. You understand that? You never were. He's like, someone has hired a Black Widow assassin. This has gotten very real very quickly. So I'm doing this alone. And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, look, I know that tonight didn't go as planned, but I chose to be here. I understand the risk. I understand all of it. And he sternly says, he's like, I'm not going to do it. You hear me? He's like, do you hear me? Then he's like, go home, Kate. It's over. And she turns and leaves. So, so sad. But uh, why didn't uh, Kate, you know, shoot Yelena? Could it have anything to do with like what Clint said? You know, the best shot's a shot you didn't take. So maybe she saw something. Because, you know, we we know Yelena's not a bad person. She obviously is, is mistaken. She thinks Clint killed Natasha, her sister. And it's probably because of Julia Louise Dreyfus. Uh, what's her name? Um, Valentina? The, 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 what's her name? Countess? Allegra, well, I forget her name. So obviously, you know, Yelena's been misinformed. Maybe Kate's instinct, you know, because he does say you got good instincts. So she must have recognized something in Yelena's eyes or whatever. So she knows Yelena's not a bit. But she could have like shot her in the shoulder or something like that. But uh, she didn't. So we'll have to see what happens. So that was, uh, this is just such a good episode. I said, at this thing, you know, the whole holiday stuff, you know, maybe it's kind of cheesy or whatever, but I thought it was great. You know, it was just, it was so lovely. And I know that sounds cheesy, but we also get all this action, like this rooftop fight scene. I mean, this was, was cool stuff and everything. So what we have two more episodes. Oh man, I don't want this to end, but that is going to be this week's, uh, Hawkeye recap. Oh, I, I can't, I'm going to, I can't wait to watch this again. I'm going to watch it all like when it's over. Okay. Briefly, I want to talk about the diary of a wimpy kid. I'm not really sure why I'm talking about this. I, well, actually, no, the reason I'm talking about this is, is like when the books came out, my daughter, you know, she was younger and she was into the books. And I remember like the books would come out like every, every November, like in November. So we would always get her, you know, a, a book for, for Christmas as one of her gifts. And, you know, she just gobbled, she read so much and she just, she loved these books and everything like that. And, you know, the, the first two movies were, were pretty funny. You know, they were good. I never saw the, the third one that has like a different cast because it just didn't seem right and it didn't do well. So maybe there was something about that. So for whatever reason, and, and you know, it makes sense. You can't keep doing because the, the actors are getting older. And, you know, if Greg's constantly, you know, whatever throughout, I think he's like always in sixth grade. I don't know if he's ever really gone beyond. So it, it makes sense that they have to start over. So what Disney decided to do, since now Disney owns Fox and everything and owns the rights to Diary of Wimpy Kid, they decided to do a CG version, which I think makes sense. And uh, the character designs, which are a little weird at times, but it looks like the way that Greg draws them in his diary, in his, his book, his his journal. you know. So uh, with that, some of it just seems a little weird if, if in reality that they really look like that, but that I think adds to the show's charm or whatever. So aside, that's probably like the weirdest thing is just like how some of the animation looks that the character designs just seem a little weird, but it, that's okay. The voices are, are good. You know, the voice acting. Oh, the other weird thing is the movie is, is only 58 minutes. So it's pretty short. It's, I mean, just under an hour long. Uh, you know, the, there are some things I haven't actually... I've always wanted to read the books, but I never have. I think my, my, my daughter uh, donated them or got rid of the, the books. So I, I don't know. Like Since I've seen the first movie at least more than once, 
you know, there's some other stuff that that was in the first movie that's not in this one. So it could be a possibility that when they did the other movie that they added a little more to pad the movie to, you know, flesh things out and everything like that. So it goes pretty quickly, which, you know, maybe isn't that bad of a thing because, you know, with kids, short attention spans or whatever, so they, they can just watch this and enjoy it. Um, but I think the other good thing about this is if they do um, want to make more, they could do the other books because by having it CG, they don't have to worry about actors aging. You know, they and even if they, if if a voice actor is is young and then uh, their voice changes from puberty or whatever, you know, they could always try to recast and have someone. You know, they they don't have to worry so much about about that. You know, it won't be as obvious if they recast a voice actor. Um, the the movie, I don't know if I said it. It's it's basically the first book. Again, so if, if you've seen the first movie, it's basically the first story. It tells like you know, first day of school and the first you know Halloween and stuff like that. We've seen this all already if you watch the other ones, but I think if they are planning on moving forward, it's important. You know, you need to start back. So even though we've seen the first two, first three, because was the third movie the third book? I I don't remember because that's what I didn't see. So I I think it was it's it makes sense to do this. I don't know how. The movie was received. You know, some of my students were like super excited because they, you know, they love the books. Uh, you know, some of my, my sixth graders, and you know, they were super excited for the movie, and and they were okay with the movie. You know, they were a little disappointed in some ways, but I think overall they they kind of liked it. And you know, they they you know, when I talked to them, they said they would like to see more. And you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing more. You know, even though the movie wasn't perfect, it, it was enjoyable. And I, I even for me, the fact that it was an hour long made it. Easy. I didn't wasn't able to watch it all in one sitting. You know, I watched a little bit in the morning before school, and I watched them during my my lunch break. So, I think uh, I think it would be good if they did more. I I would love to see more. I hope it's successful enough that Disney decides they want to make more because you know. I, the franchise, you know, the books, there's so many books and so many people just love them that I I think it could be a successful thing for them. It could be a good franchise, but I guess it all depends on how they view a successful series and, you know, with the, you know, ratings and views and whatever, all that stuff. So we'll just have to wait and see. But um, if you have any anyone, you know, in your family that likes the books or you need young ones, then it, it's worth checking out. And so that was that. Okay, then I want to briefly talk about a movie called Silent Night. So this is, I think this played in some theaters, and I I was hoping because I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, that's Jojo Rabbit, you know that, that kid, uh, you know he's 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 such a good actor in that that movie, uh, Roman Griffin Davis. So he's in this. Uh, it it didn't play in my my theater, and so the reason it probably didn't because this is an AMC Plus movie. So it was probably one of those things how like they'll do like limited theatrical release and on top of the at home thing, just how like Netflix has been doing. So it was, um, which is fine because you know it. It's not a movie that needs to be seen in a theater. I think um, I did enjoy it. It's so what? What's the movie about? It's a holiday movie. Um, the synopsis uh, on IMDb says Nell, Simon, and her son Art are ready to welcome friends and family for what promises to be a perfect Christmas gathering. Perfect, except for one thing, everyone is going to die. So, um, who else is in this? Uh, we have Kira Knightley, Annabelle Wallace, who was from Peaky Blinders, and wasn't she malignant, right? Um, we have Matthew Good. Uh, we have Lily Rose Depp. You have Trudy Styler. Um, so, there, there's like a bunch of people in, in this movie. 
And basically what it is, Kira Knightley, she's, you know, it, the movie starts off, she's getting her house ready, her school friends and her like spouses and kids are, are coming over for the holiday, you know, again, this big holiday trip. I don't know if this, they do this all the time. Um, and they're just going all out, you know, he's like, you don't know what's going on at the beginning. It's just like, oh, they're doing all this. And, and they're like, kids are going to be allowed to swear, but things are kind of tense, you know, making sure everything is right, you know, because uh, Kira Knightley wants everything to be just, just perfect and everything like that. Um, like when Annabelle Wallace comes in, she's like wearing this like big fancy dress and like shoes and stuff like that. Like they're kind of gaudy, you know, shoes or whatever. She's like, oh, look at this. She's like, I'm wearing Kitty's education fund or something like that. So like her daughter or whatever. And we find out that uh, basically the world's about to end. And like the, the kids are, they, they know about this too. So like when they're talking, you know, someone's like, oh yeah, the Russians want everyone dead. And then like Jojo Rabbit's like, no, it's, it's not the Russians. It's poison from the earth because, you know, we didn't treat it right and stuff like that. The end of the world is happening. And what the, they decide is they want to have this last, you know, Christmas dinner all together. What we also find out is that the government has given, so there's little slight spoilers here, not, not heavy duty spoilers. But the, the government has given suicide pills for people to take before, because there's this poison gas that's like headed towards Britain. So you could take these suicide pills and that way you don't have, you're not going to go through like this painful, like horrific death where you're like, uh, just like writhing on the floor or whatever. All the, the, the family, the friends, they, they made a pact to take the pills together with their kids. But one of the one of the, the dudes, his young wife, um, Lily Rose Depp, she found out like just recently that she was pregnant, and so she's not sure if she wants to take the pill because she feels like taking the pill, she's killing her unborn child, even though when the gas comes, they're gonna die anyway. So it's just like this thing, um, and and then it gets to the point where then you know after dinner they're, they're gonna call Kira Knightley's mom and stuff like that. And this is where we get the first shot of the cloud because, you know, you're talking and then she like looks off camera. She's like, I have to go. And um, so she says goodbye to her daughter. She like gets up and they're like, they're like, oh, we didn't get to say goodbye to, you know, whatever. She looks out the window and, you know, she reaches for her pills because so like Jojo's upset. He didn't get to say bye to her or whatever. And then eventually gets to the point because, you know, Jojo talks to uh, Lily Rose Depp about the pill and everything like that. He's like, he's not sure if he wants to take it now because, you know, then he's. At one point, it kind of gets into, I don't know if there's like some sort of like classism, stuff like that. I don't know if, if everyone was given the pill or if it's just like certain people, if it was, you know, a matter of like how rich you, if it's like a money thing, because, you know, he's like, what, what happens if, you know, if the people who don't have a pill, you know, what about the, like the poor people? Do they just have to die alone if they don't have anyone? So even though it's kind of a comedy, it's a dark, dark comedy, it's a holiday movie, but, you know, there's like little aspects of that about, just the fact, like, should you take a pill? You know, you're committing suicide. Is that better than dying? Or you just, because, you know, then they're like, well, what if, you know, what if they're wrong about this, you know, the, the science of it or whatever? And so it's a very weird and interesting holiday movie, which I kind of like. And, you know, you think about Kira Knightley. I mean, Kira Knightley, is an, she's an amazing actress, actor. Uh, and, you know, she was in Love Actually, which is like the big holiday movie that, like, my wife and her sisters and it seems like all women love uh, i like the movie uh but i don't need to see it every single year so you know it's it's so funny you, you, you know i a lot of times i equate that with kira knightley you know her, her role in that movie so like here she's doing this other holiday movie which is totally different you know this is not love actually so it's uh just really interesting and it's it's kind of refreshing in a, in a way even though it's a it, it's a heavy movie 
the the fact that it's not like your typical holiday movie makes it feel a little better i i guess in a way because it's um it's because i i think because it's not like the perfect fairy tale ending type of thing where you know just things aren't you know always gonna work out just like nicely and neatly like that so i i think that there's there's something about that that just made it nice to watch even though it's it's pretty heavy so check that out if you have amc plus you can watch that if you don't have amc plus maybe eventually it'll be available elsewhere but it's a if you want something different if you're tired of the same old holiday movies then you'll definitely want to check this out so that is silent night okay then this week's feature because like i said i don't think silent night is is has enough oomph to be the movie to be the, the feature for this, this episode so we're gonna do lost in space so i i'm pretty sure i talked about the both seasons uh, on on this show i'm pretty sure i must have and as i probably mentioned before i loved the original lost in space and um it was on before my time you know I'm, I'm not that old but i did watch them like in syndication and my brother was really into it for some reason so that's how i got turned on to the show and i i've probably seen just about every single episode and it's always interesting so i think it started out in black and white right am i remembering correctly so like did they like redo it in color also but you know we see like when they wouldn't always show the black and white ones, you know, when like the, they get to the end of the cycle and then they start back over, they would kind of like just skip over that and just, you know, whatever. And so I, I, I have a feeling like some of them were black and white, but not all. And then it, sh- it shifted to color. But every once in a while, they would actually show the original one. So you see it when they, they're going to take off and everything. And like, you know, Dr. Smith's going away, sneaking on, on board. If you want a refresher or hear what I had to say about it before... It um, appears I talked about the first season of Lost in Space on episode 34. So I must have not gone fully super duper in depth. So you can hear about that. So episode 34 and then season two, I talked about on episode 123 and then 124. So I must have split that. So if you don't remember what happened and you don't want or just go to Wikipedia or something like that. So um, I'm going to just go through the first four episodes um, kind of in depth, not super, hopefully not super in depth. Here, here we go. So it starts off uh, episode uh, 301, season three, episode one, three little birds. Judy's checking out the Fortuna. So it's, it's been 20 years and you know, she's wondering, could her, her biological father still be alive on there? There's like minimal um, power still there. There's a lander missing, whatever. So, you know, can they track it, whatever. Um, this body uh, in a suit floats by her. So it's like somebody named Faith Carson, whatever. You know, it's like that. So she wants to find out what happens to crew. Um, an asteroid is, is headed towards them. So uh, the ship's computer goes into like on auto to land, even though Judy's not yet like on the, the other ship, on, on their, their Jupiter. So she leaves and she sees uh, this like ship leaving. So um, she like jumps out and she starts sliding and then uh, Smith grabs, grabs her arm. So Judy's like, why are you still here? And how'd you get on the ship? And Smith says that, you know, she goes where she's needed. So then on the, the Fortuna uh, where the crew is, you like, there's like a robot or shadow or something that that's seen. So then 349 days later, Will 
wakes up. He goes outside. They have huts and stuff, so they're like on, on this planet. And uh, Judy updates her captain's log. That, you know, the ship computer found a good spot for them to land in the valley. Corn yield is up. There's no injuries. They have a school now with Smith's, like, as a teacher, of all things. Um, the threat from falling meteors happens, you know, because there's, like, just a bunch of meteors out in, out in space, and sometimes they start coming. Um, they're trying to, to refine raw titanium to fix the ship. It's taking, you know, a long time. It was supposed to take a few weeks, but they've been there for, like, a year. Will's taking it personally. Uh, Penny seems distracted, and, you know, it's like she's mad at Judy or, or something. And uh, the robot wants to be helpful, but it seems to be like searching for like something like its purpose or something like that. Meanwhile, John Robinson, you know, who re- records a mission report, he's at the sal- he's a, he's a salvage team leader. So they're on, like on this like unnamed rainforest uh, planet, and you know they they have to avoid robot patrols. So so far, the robots don't know they're there. Um, so they're looking at the resolute wreckage, so they can like find stuff that need to fix their ship so they can like fly out of there and they have to keep the electronics off like fly even like flashlights or stuff like that or the robots will be able to detect them and then like zap them we see penny has a new boyfriend his name's liam so you know before she was kind of with that guy bj whose dad is i forgot he's like this important dude um with with her parents all the kids so they were all sent there because they would take less oxygen so that was what happened in the last season when they, they split up Will and Robot are trying to melt titanium. Smith comes in. She was wondering what's taking so long, you know, because she was looking forward to living, uh, you know, ha- you know, living happily on Alpha Centauri. And he's like, well, you know, refining titanium is a little harder than teaching French. And she's like, well, people aren't happy. You know, they were only supposed to be there a couple of weeks. And he's like, well, bother me isn't going to make things go any faster. But you notice, I, it seems like, you know, Will had like a huge growth spurt, um, you know, between seasons. So maybe that's why they had to make it like a year you know went by there's a computer alert objects approaching you know an asteroid is headed towards the valley so they have to head to their bunker which is like underground these rocks or whatever but then they're like you know where's penny you know because she's like off somewhere with her boyfriend you know they're exploring doing something the asteroid breaks up um penny comes strung along holding the dude's hand when her old friend vj sees him she like quickly lets go or whatever Judy comes up to her and she's like, you know, people think that you're cool and you're setting a bad example by blowing this off. And she's like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything. You know, she's like, that's, you know, your job is to, you know, set the example or whatever. And Judy's like, well, you're part of the crew. And Penny's like, but the asteroid burnt up in the atmosphere. It always does. VJ tells Judy and Will that, you know, pieces of the meteor that broke up are still um, up there. That this Peter that broke off. And um, he says that it's getting exponentially more congested out in space. So Judy's like, well, you know, how long before the ship can't safely navigate, um, before the, the computer can navigate the ship through the mess? And Vijay's like, at this rate, four or five days. So Judy's like, then we'll be stuck here forever. So Will's like, you know, if he, you know, we could fix the ship in four or five hours if he had enough titanium, but, you know, they just can't seem to do it. Judy tells Will, Penny, VJ, and Liam that there's a deposit of titanium about two miles up on a cliffside. So she w- wanted to send Robot up there, but he's just too heavy. She um, thought that that was the end of the plan, but then she realized that they're not as heavy as a robot. And VJ's like, well, who can climb up two miles? Uh, and then plus, you know, they're, they're lucky to find a pocket of atmosphere in the valley. The higher they go, the thinner it'll get. So Judy's like, that's why we'll need our spacesuits. And she's like, you know, we'll only have one shot at this. And the robot says, danger. 
to Will because he wants to help, but Will's like, you can't this time. So Victor, that was uh, VJ's dad, he says that they have just about all that they need to go, um, but the only thing is they need a robot engine so they can fly, and they need a robot to fly it. So, you know, like he asked John about, you know, the robot, and John's like, you know, the robots don't like us. He's like, they don't hate us, but they don't want anything anything to do with us. So if we take something of theirs, they'll hit back hard. And he's like, the only one they showed any interest in was Will, but he's not there now. Don is managing like grunt workers or whatever, and no one likes him because he has to give orders and schedules and stuff like that. Marine's actually there working, just like welding beams and stuff like that. And, you know, he's just like, why are you, you know, you shouldn't be here. This is beneath you. And she's like, I'm, you know, where I'm needed. And Don tells her that, that you know, John is back, you know, because he was on doing the salvage thing. And he, um, she pauses and she's like, thanks for letting us know. So things between John and Maureen have gotten very strained since, you know, they had to send their kids off. Judy, Will, and Penny, um, and VJ and Liam all start climbing up the, the cliff Smith uh, goes up to Robot, who's standing watching, and she says, he's like, Will's hiding something. And uh, so they, they go up there anyways. Uh, it takes a long time to climb up there, so they have to like sleep in hanging tents. And VJ asks Will if Penny ever talks about him, and Will says that they haven't really talked much. you know, cause, So a lot of has been very strained over you know, the last year. Maureen returns to her cabin. John tries talking to her. Then he says that they um, need them to clear out the kids' room. And she gets up and says, she's like, well, I need to get some rest. She's like, I have another shift in six hours. He's like, well, just skip a shift. And she's like, I can't. And he, he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm trying to keep everything running like always. And he says, like, you know, he's like, we're in this together. She's like, you're my wife. And she's like, yeah. And, you know, I used to be a mother, too. And she's like, you know, look at us. We have nothing. And he's like, you have me. And she's like, sorry. So more climbing up the cliff. VJ, um, at one point, you know, they're going, he Liam's like reaching out to him, but he kind of he doesn't want to take um, Liam's hand because he's dating Penny now and he likes Penny. He's like, you just got out of way. He's like, you're distracting me, you know, as he's trying to get onto the ledge. Then he falls back and he falls down a little bit, but he's fine. So Judy goes down, you know, checks on him, and he like fractured his wrist. Smith is is snooping around and she's looking at Will's calculations and she's like, oh, you're not quite the hero after all. So she discovered something that Will was hiding. Another night in the tents. Penny finds a radio receiver that Judy brought, and she's like, you're trying to signal the Fortuna to reach Grant Kelly. And she's like, you've been trying to contact you know, any of the crew since we've got here. And Penny's like, you know, what are you going to do if you got a signal? And Penny's like, uh, she, so she's accusing her. She's like, are you not going to come down with us? And Judy's like, you know, I've, you know, we've never been this close before. She's like, you wouldn't understand. And she's like, you know... She, Penny's like, you made us leave our family and now you're looking for a new one. Then they start seeing like all these bugs scurrying across the tent on the outside. And, you know, so it's just like, okay, what, what's up with these bugs or whatever? Um, the, the other things they need to worry about there is like these occasional updrafts that they need to watch out for if, you know, if they like lean over the edge or something like that. Um, and then they get to a point where like the bugs start eating like the pillar that they're standing on. And so they're like rock termites or something like that. They can't go down, so they have to go up, but they need the titanium. So maybe they can ride the updraft. They and, and like using pieces of the tent, they can kind of use that as like a glider or whatever to help them. So it it works. They they go up, they land on the ledge, and um Judy checks and you know, just on Will to see if he was okay, because they, they you know they kind of got separated a little bit. Penny's like lying there and she's like, Are you hurt? Penny, are you hurt? And Penny hugs her. And so they got the titanium 
so now they're ready to go back down but penny gives judy the radio and she's like i grabbed it before you know they had to jump out of the tents or whatever um judy's like no she's like i'm responsible for all the kids and then she's like dad wouldn't and penny's like dad's not here she's like you know you spent the or she's like i spent the last year being mad at you for making us leave i realize you're just you know looking out for us it's like no one uh looks out for us the way that judy does and judy's like that's what family does so Will takes over to Captain's Log, it's day 352, and Penny's like, co-Captain's Log, when they're sort of talking and stuff like that. Smith tells Will that they didn't have to go up for the titanium, that he's been cooking the books. There's a tremendous amount of titanium that disappears, so she's mad at herself for not seeing it. She's like, I'm losing my edge after a year of babysitting. And then um, he's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, She's like, it, w- it was me that he, he was doing that. And she doesn't understand why he doesn't want to leave. And he says that, you know, the robots aren't just looking for their engines anymore. They're looking for him. So she's like, uh, you know, how do you know that? And she's then he says, like, well, you know, how do they know his name or something like that? So then Will talks to the robot, like standing outside. He's like, Smith says that someone's been tampering with the ore that they need to fix a ship so they can leave. And he's like, you know, Smith thinks it's me, but she's wrong. And he's like, it was you, wasn't it? And we see like robot carrying like bags of ore and like dumping over a cliff into the water. And he's like, help Will Robinson. Will says that he gets that he's trying to protect him. He's like, but I'm not a kid anymore. Danger, Will Robinson. Will says that maybe the only way to put an end to this is to face a danger. So he's like, the robots are coming for him. And when they do, if his family is anywhere near, they're going to get hurt or worse. So once they get to Alpha Centauri, they're both going to have to leave his family. He's like, if he really wants to help him, he has to trust him. And the robot says, trust Will Robinson. So then we see Maureen walking down the hall. She sees John in Will's room, like holding a baseball. And she's like, you shouldn't have to do this alone. And he's like, every time that he steps into the hub, he expects to see them. And she says that she tries not to think about them. She's like, is that terrible? Because when she does, she wonders if there was something that she missed, something else that they could have done to keep them all together. John reaches and you know takes her hand. Judy climbs up trying to get the signal. And the VJ's down there singing, every little thing is going to be all right. Um, and that's where the, the three birds line comes in. Judy gets a signal. Um, Maureen is determined to get a robot and get the kids. Some meteors land nearby. Robot investigates. And then they find some like weird structures. So that's like that was the first episode. Okay, episode 302, Contact. Judy's at the top of a cliff. She's searching for a signal. Um, and she's like practicing what to say to Grant Kelly. She's like, oh, God, I'd like to meet you, you know, like whatever. And um, she makes it to Fortuna. There's like cryopods. Kelly's pod opens and she has to revive him, you know, because he's like now his systems, whatever. She acts, I think she accidentally hit the thing and she didn't mean to open it just yet. So she has to resuscitate him. And he's like, who are you? And she's like, uh, Mr. Kelly, I'm an astronaut. So she doesn't tell him. Marine, John, and Don go to. Um, to the Resolute, uh, Marine decides to take uh, parts of a destroyed robot instead of trying to get a live one. You know, maybe he can do something there. Uh, with the, the kids, the robot's been missing since last night, so they don't know where he's at. Judy fills in uh, Grant Kelly about uh, how they left Earth and they headed Alpha Centauri. He's not, like, really happy with the state of things, you know, um, and, you know, she's not part of a rescue mission. He lost a crew member and, you know, 20 years of his life. So that was like the body that was that she found floating or whatever. Um, Penny, Will and Smith, they find a tunnel with possible alien technology. And there's like markings on the walls and there's like these weird chamber doors and stuff like that. And they see footprints that could belong to an alien robot. 
And then a door behind them shuts and Penny says that, you know, she knows that the robots and the Resolute knew his name. And if they're there, then he's in danger. So could uh, the prince be recent? And he looks and he's like, uh, maybe, yeah. Maureen is uh, concerned that Sar is back. And if he is, that he's going to find a way back to, to get Will. And uh, like throughout all this whole thing, it's like as I'm, I'm watching these, I was like, why... Why is uh, Sar like so, you know, why does he get this thing against Will? And I feel like I missed something. W- then Will doesn't think that the prints were made by robot because they look like they're organic. Smith comes and actually rescues him because this, this other door, then this other door opens. So robots there. He wants him to follow. And he's like, danger. There's this huge cavern with all these like alien structures. And Will asks, he's like, is this where you're from? He's like, the people that, that made you. And Smith's like, are they still still there? And he's like, no. So the robot accesses this like star map, and you see like the Jupiter two, and they're like, is that danger? And there's this red light, and he's like, danger. John's going after a robot uh, on the ship. A marine faces it and asks if it's looking for her son. So they lure it to his other area, and John's about to electrocute it, but then Will is able to talk through it. Marine thinks she's like that it's Scarecrow. So Scarecrow is like the kind of like the good robot. Mom um, tells uh, Penny that she's like read her book four or five times. You know, she just wants to say how brilliant she is. And that was the thing like, you know, Penny and mom, they're like the last time they talked, they argued, I guess. Um, Penny and Maureen. So Penny like hugs the robot and Scarecrow hugs Maureen like through this. John asks um, how Judy is. So she's busy captaining. You know, they don't tell her. They don't tell the parents that she's looking for Grant Kelly. They ask how Alpha Centauri is. And they're like, uh, don't freak, but we're not there yet. And then the robot keeps saying, help friend, help family. Marine thinks that Sar might still be alive. And then the power fades uh, and the connection breaks. So Judy and Grant make it across the surface because it was like, you know, this crazy trip, you know, like all, whatever. They get to the crater. And um, then she's like, because she said that was the hard part. And he's like, it's a two mile vertical drop to the camp. And that was a hard part. She's like, every problem has a solution. And he then he's like, what did you say? And she's like, oh, it's just something, you know, my mom used to say. And he's like, I used to know a woman who used that phrase a lot. And she's like, that there's, uh, she's like, there's something that she has to tell him. Even though he said that he didn't want any more news about, like, you know, all the, every, how everything's changed and stuff like that. She's like, there's a reason that she chose him. Because she said uh, she, she knew who he was because she did a school report on him when she was in school. So she's like, there's a reason I chose you. It's like, you know, they were supposed to talk about a hero who meant a lot to, to us. It's like they had this. She's like, I had to decide between two. One was my father, a Navy SEAL, and probably the bravest and best dad I could ever ask for. The second was someone I never met, but was kind of always part of my life. And, you know, his mother would come over every Thanksgiving and and she was there the day when he uh his, the, the the guy's mom was there when she gave the report. So her mom worked with him at NASA, and when she would talk about him, she would say that you know he gave his life for space, uh, but he gave her life something more. He gave her her, and he never knew that she existed, and she never referred to him as her father because that job was already taken. But she always wondered what he was like, and he says. I think I would start by saying, you know, nice to meet you. So he holds out his hand and she's like, nice to meet you too. So now he knows. Will asked Robot if finding Scarecrow to help his parents was his way of saying sorry. 
and we'll ask if the other robots will know that the people who made them are extinct. And the robot's like, no, Will Robinson. So Will says, um, then, you know, that's how to end this. You know, they were programmed to attack. The original programming is obsolete now. So Will wonders if Sar will remember him. And then we see uh, there's another robot that's working on, like, other robots. Um, puts on, uh, like, a part into, like, Sar. Then it's like, find Will Robinson. Uh, episode 3, 303, the new guy. John, Marine, and Don walk with Scarecrow. They find a ship, but there are robots scavenging through it. John counts 12, and Maureen says that they're gathering the dead, but John's like, no, they're salvaging the parts. So Scarecrow starts making a plan. I think he's like, um, he'll take two, and then they, they take the other ten. They're like, that that doesn't really make sense. Um, Penny and the others come to greet Judy and Grant Kelly. Uh, they load up the rest of his crew, so they brought them, you know, they're in the nurse stasis pods. So they have 19 hours until the launch window closes. Will is documenting the alien city before they leave. He has like a little camera. Then he finds some like skeletal remains and he's like, they built the robots in their own image. So the, the skeletons look more like how the robots look. Then he finds a big crater. He fires a flare and there's just like tons of skeletons on there. She's like, what happened to them? John is uh, kind of suspicious of Scarecrow. So, you know, he, and he catches it in the control room and he's like wondering what it's doing in there. Like it's looking at files or something like that. Grant seems concerned about the ship being so controlled by computers because he's like, how do you pilot or how do you take It's like everything's like autopilot practically. Judy and uh, Smith go to search for Will, um, who is messing around. There's like this big like alien control panel. And, you know, he has to take like a, a skeletal claw to like hit these buttons. And it it's like causing all this vibration and like noise. It's like, what the heck is he thinking? It's like he's going to cause, cause this big cave-in. Uh, the computer says they need to launch like really, really soon because the asteroids are getting more like congested, more serious. Pete, uh, Penny and VJ say that because um, if they don't go, then the computer would shut them down. So they don't want to launch without the others, but they also don't want to strand everyone else. So Grant says, um, you know, he, he says like you shouldn't have to make that decision. So um, did I say Penny? I think Judy was there. Anyways, uh, so he disables the autopilot. And um, Smith is worried that they'll want to put her in a cryo tube also. And, you know, she tries saying that, you know, she's important. She can help. And, you know, she's like actually with Judy. She's like about to knock Judy out. She has a crowbar behind her back. Uh, when then when so, yeah, no, Judy's yeah, Judy's in a cave, I think. Right. Is that what I said? Um, Will's vibrations really start shaking things. So then like structure starts collapsing. And Smith has to use a crowbar to keep the door from shutting and locking Will inside. They're like, oh, it's a good thing you had that crowbar. It's like, mm-hmm. So then Grant tells Judy that he can fly and launch a ship through the asteroid field and that she's putting too much faith into the computers. Smith tries taking Will's uh, little camera of the cave as an insurance policy that when she goes in a cryo tube that they'll let her out. And he's like, I'm your insurance. Because she thinks, you know, why, why is anyone going like, to unfreeze her once she's in there? He's like, I'm your insurance policy. He's like, me and R Robot have to do something, and I need you to distract my parents because that's what she's good at. So they take off. Grant um, starts steering the ship through the asteroids. The computer suggests a certain path, and Grant, he disagrees. He like he doesn't. He's like, I don't want to fly into a giant asteroid just to avoid some smaller ones. And Judy's like, you have to listen or stand down. And he's like, no. So then Judy gets up and reboots the computer. And she says that she trusts her mom's work on the computer. You know, she feels like what her mom designed is going to work. 
And it turns out the computer and Judy were right. So it's like they're heading towards this this big giant asteroid, but then it breaks up and they got a clear path through it. So then after that, John's like, this is why Maureen was the top of her class. And so it turns out he actually met her in asteroid school. And then Judy's like, what? Because they didn't know she wanted to be an astronaut. Um, and she probably gave it up for them, right? John and Don have to distract the robots in the transport. Then Scarecrow can make his move. So they start driving away. They're chasing them. Then Scarecrow goes into the big ship to get a robot engine. Marine wonders, Marine wonders what's taking uh, Scarecrow so long. But then John realizes that they weren't distracting the robots. The robots were distracting them. It was a trap. So by the ship, there's like three other robots waiting to, and they attack Scarecrow. Sar was there. He takes Scarecrow. So the engine was bait. Marine tells John that Scarecrow wasn't going to betray them, that he was actually going to take them home, and that Scarecrow was their last hope. So then, episode four, so the last one I'll talk about this week, nothing left behind. They get ready to make the jump to Alpha Centauri. Will starts playing like the alien screeching sound from the ruins to the robot. He's like, he thinks it's a language. He's like, what if the, the sounds are how they control the robots? Robot's about to turn the map on, then he still stands still. The lights on his stomach light up like when they're um, talking to his mom and dad. And it's because Sar, he's like jamming a probe into Scarecrow's face. And robots starting to move um, because of this, whatever. So he shows a different star system. VJ sees like Jupiter's, that's their parents. So like robots being controlled now. It's like, danger, Will. And Penny is like, why would mom and dad want to show them this? And Will's like, they don't. It's Sar. Then Sar like twists like Scarecrow's head and neck or whatever, and like the same thing kind of happens to Robot. So Will goes checking Robot and everything like that. Scarecrow's power fades, and then Robot bows his head. So Will's like Scarecrow's gone, and he's like, "I'm so sorry." Marine and John tell the others that Scarecrow's trying to help them, but now the others know everything, including their location. So the other robots, they must know where the kids are. Or they must not know where the kids are because if they did, they would be headed their way. But they're headed towards all the, the parents. They're going to reach them in about 30 minutes. And um, so they're like, Don, how long is it going to take us to leave? And he's like, um, I'm I'm assuming, I'm thinking, or I'm feeling like you want me to say less than 30 minutes. But he's not sure. So another says, like, even if they could, she's like, we cannot run their ships. Like, we'll get picked off one by one. Then John's like, you know, the last time they fought them, they gave it all they, they had. And, you know, it's like, there's nowhere to hide. It's like, we can't save our, ourselves. So then it's like silence. He's like, the faster we accept that, the faster we can focus on the people we can save, our kids. So when Sar gets there, they're going to tear the Jupiter apart to get the location of Alpha Centauri where the kids are headed, like with his engine. So they have to destroy anything, all files and everything like that, delete everything that, that might give them any idea about Alpha Centauri. The kids are debating what to do. Some say they can't just let their parents die. You know, does Sar just want the engine? Is he using their parents as bait? And Penny says that, you know, he showed them the exact coordinates where their parents are so they can get them using robot. Judy's like, it's not a mistake that he did that. It's a trap. So they were given direct orders by their parents, by all the parents to get to safety. Then an annoying kid complains, but I want to save my parents. And Judy tries explaining to everyone that wanting to save their parents and actually pulling it off are two completely different things. And then the kids start saying, what, we, we want to try. Me too. Me too. Me too. It's like, shut up, you stupid kids. Like, okay, yeah, your parents want you safe, so you're going to go back and die. And then your parents are going to die. And then, like, what does that do? 
Grant talks to, to Judy. He, um, he's like, you know, you're the captain. He's like, you know, hands don't matter. It's all about making the right call. So he's like, you know, you can't let these kids tell you what to do. She talks to Will and Penny, and she's like, every problem has a solution. So she's like, with the three of us, you know, we should be able to figure a way out. Then Will says, he's like, I think I know what to do. And we don't hear the plan right away. So Will, Will's like records his finals transmission. He's like, if you're seeing this, this is going to be my last. Tra-. So it's like, what's going to happen? What's Will thinking? All the, you know, on, on the, the, the parents are destroying everything, all the files and everything like that. Um, the first robot ship arrives. John Marine, the other parents are just standing by waiting. And then um, they pick up an energy spike on the edge of the solar benchmark. It's a transport Jupiter. And John's like, it's the kids. And Marine's like, no. It's like, you know, what are you doing, doing there? Sar can sense them and says, Will Robinson and growls. Sar starts going after the Jupiter. And then John says this, to send ships to distract them. But Judy says, belay that. It's like, uh, you know, because Judy's like, we're, we're not on a Jupiter. So she she's on the Fortuna. The Jupiter was a decoy. So the Jupiter and the Fortuna went through the rift together. So the kids are reunited with their parents. And then it's like, wait, where's Will? Is Will on the Jupiter? And, you know, because Maureen's like, who's flying the Jupiter? But then we see an autopilot's engaged. Okay, so Will is actually on a Fortuna. He's like in, in another room or whatever. Judy and sees Don. Because in the original show, Judy and Don liked each other. So she's like, oh, that, that suit looks good on you, whatever. And, and, you know, he's got this new position of management and stuff like that. And, you know, so they give a hug, each other hug, because, you know, they haven't seen each other in over a year. Maureen sees Grant, and she's like, how did you, you know, she's like, what, what are you, how did you find our kids? And he's like, they found me. And then they can't catch up more because, you know, everything's just so chaotic. So she's like, we need later, whatever. So then Will says, um, you know, they're, they're moving stuff around. He's like, you know, Smith's in her cryo tube. He's like, put that in my bay, whatever. And he tells Robot that they're not going with the family. That as soon as everyone goes through, they'll close the portal. Sar will have everything he wants waiting for him. Then Will and Robot together will put an end to this. So Sar smashes through like the Jupiter decoy and then um, Will wakes up Smith. She's disappointed that they're not in Alpha Centauri yet. And he says that he woke her up. So now it's time for her to hold up her end of the deal. John and Maureen are surprised to see Smith still alive. They thought she was dead. And then Smith starts talking to distract them so Will can sneak by. More evil robots arrive. Will turns on the screeching audio and transmits it everywhere so like everyone can hear it. It has like an effect Two of the alien ships like crash into each other. Then Johnny like, grabs Will, so he didn't get a chance to to get away. Proximity alert. Sars like behind them. John yells to send them somewhere, anywhere. So then the others see Alpha Centauri. So it's like they made it, uh, but then they notice that Jupiter Two didn't make it through the portal. So the ship's crashing. So it's like they're separated again. Um, Judy and Marine are on the Fortuna. So Judy and Marine are on the Fortuna. John and Will, and I'm assuming Smith, are probably on Jupiter 2. But the, the Fortune is like crashing or something like that. So Judy and, and Maureen need to, they're both of their ejector seats are, are jammed. They're, she's like, my ejector seat doesn't work. Mine doesn't either. And they're like going and then cut the black. It's not even a fade to black. It's just like cut and the episode. So they're going to die. And that's the end of the half halfway point of the season. So that's a good stopping point. Um, that's as far as I got to watch, so I, I need to watch the rest of it. Um, I can probably talk about it next week. I can try to maybe be briefer if that's what you want. Um, I don't know what you want. But with that, that's going to be the end of, of the show. So 
I, I like it. You know, at first when I was like, oh, man, here's a show. At first, I'm looking at it kind of like a chore. It's like, I got to try to watch this. I got to try to watch it so I can, you know. And this is why my, you know how I feel about binging shows. That it's like all this is this big time commitment and I just don't have time. But I'll do what I can. So I figured that that's a good point too, since I go so in depth that that way we can just break it into two different parts. Um, but I did like the, the episode, you know, um, getting into it, you know, I'm remembering why I, you know, this is a good cast, you know, it's, it's a good story. And, you know, some things I'm a little like, wait, what? But overall it, it is kind of interesting and, you know, Smith is annoying, but she's supposed to be. And so it, it's good all around. And um, I'm really curious what's going to happen in these last four episodes because the season's a little shorter. I think it's normally 10. I'm really curious to see where it's going to go from here because it's, this is, I'm pretty sure this is absolutely the last season. And cause I don't know how, if, if the show, I think we're lucky to get this season. Cause I don't know if it's like super popular or not, but we, we got it. So I'm really curious to see how it's going to end. So we'll talk about that next week. So for now, Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken for being awesome supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about, I just started uh, Hawkeye, the Matt Fraction, David Aha series, which is a huge inspiration for the Disney Plus series. Such a delightful comic. I strongly recommend, if you haven't read it, or if you haven't read it in a while, that you're, you're going to want to do this. You're going to want to tune in for that. So you can hear, hear that. We'll do um, we'll do a few issues. I'm not sure how many, but you can hear about that on the secret podcast from Heck. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, what is going to happen next week? So next week, uh, we'll have, we should have another Dexter and Flash and Hawkeye. And then um, I'll, I hopefully will be able to do the rest of Lost in Space. And the movie feature will be spider-man no way home i cannot wait for this i'm i'm just trying i think i'm going to like a four o'clock show on thursday because it's like i i don't want any spoilers and i know spoilers are going to come out because i'm i'm sure theaters are starting to get their copies so you know something's going to slip out and you know stuff supposedly already slipped out i don't want to know anything so uh, we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, that's what's uh, next week's. My, and then the next couple weeks might be a little lighter. What I think I'm going to do, because after that we have two movies on, on the same week. So I think the following week is going to be Matrix. And then the week after that is going to be The King's Man, even though they, they both come out the same day. I think I'll just split it. Otherwise, the following, the last week, whatever, or the month, I won't have a feature. And that just makes things a little more manageable for me uh, and so forth. So... That is going to be this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those who are supporting on Patreon and Coffee. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's I know you know it's, things are always tough, especially around the holidays. You know, so I, I appreciate anything that you can do to to, to help out. It means a lot to me. Um, so thank you, and I hope you are doing well. I hope everything is going fine, and I really hope you remember to be good to each other. <laughs>